This is the Manga Mavericks podcast from AllComic.com, episode 154. We are a podcast not only dedicated to talking about manga as a medium, but as an industry. I'm Colton. And I'm Lom Rami Aja. And once again, it's time for our monthly news roundup to cover all the recent news that's come out of March. And there's been a lot of news from new and exciting licensing announcements to news of some new anime projects that have gotten us very excited. And a ton of other stuff in between to talk about too, like serialization updates and some fun miscellaneous stories and also some big industry changing stories as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm excited for some of the anime movies coming out uh, in particular, mm-hmm. actually, but uh, obviously we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get into those later in the show. Um, for right now, before we even get into news, just some small house cleaning stuff. Uh, we kind of mentioned throughout some of the last few podcasts that we have been uh, we have been running a poll, basically helping us decide on uh, what to cover in a new series of podcasts that we're going to be doing uh, on our Patreon at patreon.com slash manga mavericks. We've been kind of looking into like doing some anime watch throughs because we thought that might be fun, uh, a sort of a. Uh, anime club kind of thing, if you will, the Manga Mavericks Anime Club. That's definitely what I'm going to be calling that. Um, And so, yeah, um, watching the poll get votes was very stressful on my end because, uh, you know, certain things weren't getting as many votes as I thought they were. And then uh, certain things started making a comeback. uh, And then certain titles were really neck and neck in terms of like who was going to win. Just to kind of list off some of the poll options here. We had City Hunter. We had Pokemon Sun and Moon in particular. Uh, we had Bobo 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 Bo, as well as the original Mobile Suit Gundam, uh, the very first series, I should say. Uh, but obviously, the one that won the poll literally by one vote, squeaking in a victory, was Hajime no Ippo, which I'm very excited about personally because. Uh, I mean, I don't want to say, like, it's the one I wanted to cover the most, but, like, because, you know, I would have been fine covering any of the ones we had in our poll, but I'm really excited for Hajime no Ippo in particular, because that's a series I've been really wanting to get into for a while, and, uh, yeah, I'm I'm already kind of, like, making plans as to, like, who I'm going to have on for that watch through in particular. I have some very special guests in mind, uh, hopefully coming up, and, uh, yeah, we're going to be kind of preparing that in the background, um, so... Expect that on the Patreon, either near the end of the year or probably early next year. Uh, we're really kind of working to try to get that ready, sort of uh, in the head of time in the background as we finish up stuff like our Manga Mavericks Book Club on Saint Seiya, which uh, hopefully by the time this episode of the podcast is out, uh, our newest episode of that, uh, covering volumes 21 and 22. Uh, will be out on our Patreon. Uh, again, we are right smack dab in the middle of the Hades arc. Uh, Doctor and I have been having a, uh, we've been having a lot of fun uh, recording about and talking about Saint Seiya as we go through it for the first time. And uh, yeah, uh, we're, we're getting very close to ending that. So I'm I'm really trying to do my best to like uh, set some new like a podcast miniseries up ahead of time. Or whatever, as we uh, as we finish those up, and I mean, even before all the, like the mini series we want to do, like we have a bunch of like one off podcasts that like we hopefully want to do near the end of the year too, that I'm really looking forward to. So again, look forward to those. Uh, again, at Patreon.com/slash Manga Mavericks, it's really the best way for you to support our show and to get some exclusive new bonus content that personally I really like producing and recording. I've been having a lot of fun with some of that stuff. So uh, 
So yeah, I, I hope you enjoy listening to it if you happen to sign up. Um, but yeah, I guess with all that out of the way, we should start covering our news. And I'm going to go ahead and start us off with the New York Times list, the newest graphic books and manga list for March 2021. Um, and... Not not a lot to say about this list in particular. Not 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 a lot of manga on this list. Only two volumes made it on the list. Uh, starting at number ten with uh, My Hero Academia Volume One, pretty much a perennial placeholder on this list. As well as uh, I guess I guess new edition. I think this I think this is the first time it's uh, made its place on this list with the Promised Neverland Volume One ranking all the way at the bottom at number fifteen. I imagine with uh, with the anime ending and all the talk that has been going around about it, that uh, <laughs> whether it be good or bad, mostly bad, uh, but uh, you know, all the talk, regardless, I'm sure has gotten people interested in the manga, and uh, yeah, I, I could see a lot of people probably buying Volume One, and that's probably why it ended up on the list. So there's that. Yeah, I think. If nothing else, the second season of the anime will encourage a lot of people to go read the manga. I certainly hope so, at least. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, boy. Um, but, yeah, we we could do an entire podcast on just the Promised Everland anime in particular, honestly. Mm. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if we want to. Um, we got to get to the Promised Neverland at some point, because I, I do want to reread it and, like, talk about it again that's up that's kind of been something i've been wanting to do personally but Mm -hmm. we'll get to it eventually again that deserves its own podcast but uh nonetheless not really much else to say about this list um i don't know if it's always been like this or if i'm like just now noticing but like and look i i know that like dogman in particular has been like is is a really popular kids comic and a lot of kids read it but like I feel like there's more Dogman on this list than I'm like used to seeing usually. I mean, I think Dogman just dominates in general, but yeah, I mean it's incredible just how successful and popular that comic is with kids. Mhm, for sure. N- not much else to add there, just kind of a little observation on my end, but um again, I could be wrong. But yeah, I guess we'll move on from the New York Times list and uh, move it to a much meatier list with the uh, with the February book scan list. Um, so we have a lot to cover here because this list is made up of uh, 19 manga volumes out of the 20 places on this list. Yeah, everything except for the top spot was manga. Jeez. Yeah, so we, we have a lot to talk about here. So let's just get My Hero Academia out of the way because volume one ranked at number two. With uh, volume 26 ranking at number 5, volume 2 ranking at number 10, with volume 3 ranking at number 14, and uh, yeah, I think that's about all the My Hero Academia. That's about five volumes, I think? Four. Four. Okay, yeah, you're right. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, it's it's kind of amazing that there's only like that much My Hero Academia on the list, but I mean, I think that's also a good thing because again, we have so many other series that like are are representative in this list. Yeah, a lot of diversity. Well, a lot of them is still just a bunch of Viz titles, but still a lot of different titles this time, which is good to see. No, yeah, for sure. Um, as we kind of move on once again to the Promised Neverland. Uh, with Volume 1 ranking at number 3, and Volume 2 ranking at number 12. Um, so only two volumes of The Promised Neverland on the list, but still 
still a good showing for the promised neverland i don't think it's i don't think the promised neverland is ever ranked that highly not as far as i can remember anyway yeah i think this is the first time we've seen it that high up but again it shows to show that if nothing else the second season of promised neverland was successful in convincing people (laughs) to check out and buy the manga so as a commercial for the manga it unintentionally worked wonders i mean that's good at least and then as far as other Shonen Jump hits go, uh, we have Demon Slayer Kimetsu no Yaiba Volume 20 ranking at number four on the list with Volume 1 as well ranking at number 16. Demon Slayer, obviously, uh, I would say is probably the second most popular comic behind My Hero Academia at this point. I don't know if that's completely accurate, but I, I, I feel like in terms of like other titles that place really highly on this list i feel like it's the only other thing to like match it usually yeah we've seen it be very well represented recently however i do think there is another series and on this list we see another series with more representation than demon slayer no yeah for sure and uh we'll we'll get to that in a little bit but for now i want to talk about uh chainsaw man volume three ranking at number six on this list and uh just kind of looking real quick i believe it's the only volume of chainsaw man on this list but still just below the top five i think is pretty good for chainsaw man um Mm -hmm. i don't think we saw volume two rank on the list but it is good to see that chainsaw man seems to be uh doing well in its own right so that's good yeah and again like spy family it doesn't have an anime yet like the anime is coming but it's still incredibly successful just by reputation alone as a manga i would be really surprised if by the time the anime comes out that we don't see at least two volumes of chainsaw man on the list at least like every other month maybe yeah and that'd be conservative estimate i would think that chainsaw man might explode to even greater success Mm-hmm. But uh, just to kind of get back to what you were alluding to before, uh, Jujutsu Kaisen, uh, I think, is really making a showing on this list in particular with Volume 8 coming in at number 7, along with Volume 1 ranking at number 9. And then we have Volume 4 ranking at number 13. And uh, yeah, I think that's about it for Jujutsu Kaisen in particular. Three volumes on the list, I would say is, uh, again, a- a- amongst like uh, the bigger Shonen Jump titles, is uh, is a pretty good showing. Yeah, it's second only behind My Hero in terms of representation on this list. Jujutsu Kaisen has exploited in popularity. I think it's popular. It will only continue to grow. Oh, yeah. Like People are really getting into it. Like I think we are going to see it be one of the higher sellers on this list from henceforth. Mm-hmm. With the recent um, anime news that we're going to be talking about later, I would be really interested in seeing how that probably contributes to sales later on, mm-hmm. especially of that particular volume. Um, but again, we'll talk about that more later in the podcast. But for now, uh, we're going to move on to Haikyuu Volume 1, ranking at number 11 on the list. And um, that is the only volume of Haikyuu on this list. But um, again, glad to see that more people are checking out Haikyuu. I do think it's kind of interesting that while a lot of people are checking out Haikyuu, that uh, we haven't seen too many of the other volumes pass that rank on this list. But still, I've, a, a lot of people are checking it out, which is good. Yeah. And then next up, we have um, sort of a new addition on the list, but we knew was doing well if you uh, listened to our last news episode uh, with Given Volume 5, which I believe is the last volume of that series in particular. And yeah, I mean, this is pretty big seeing a BL title rank on this list. That's not something we ever see. 
Yeah, I mean, we've seen Given on this list before, but I'm glad to see it be so successful, continue to be. You know, it's great to see, you know, genres that are then the Shonen action series get represented on here, and especially a queer manga like Given. Like, I am very, very happy to see its success. And I just hope it pays the way for, you know, even more queer manga to get to be, you know, very popular and great sellers. I hope so, too. Yeah. Again, I've heard really good things about Given. Uh, I should probably give it a chance at some point. But uh, Mm -hmm, that's a given. (laughs) I see what you did there. Uh, Moving further down on the list, uh, nothing too surprising here. We have uh, Junji Ito's Uzumaki hardcover edition ranking at number 17. Again, that usually always has a place on this list, even if it doesn't usually rank like, you know, every month. You could bet to see it on this list usually, Um, as well as volume one of Tokyo Ghoul ranking at number 18. And then volume one of uh, Toilet Bound Hanako-kun ranking at number 19 with uh, Attack on Titan, uh, specifically the box set season one, part one, ranking at number 20. Yeah, again, the, the last three are like super surprising. Though I will say I'm, I'm really rooting for um, Toilet Bound Hanako-kun in particular, as it is kind of the only thing on here that like isn't well, one of the only things that isn't from Viz, but like the only like yen press thing in particular. I'm I'm really rooting for it. Yeah, I mean I'm glad to see Hanako-kun continues to be quite popular, and yeah, I, that is always a real nice treat to see on the list. Yeah, this is mainly Viz-dominated, except for Hanako-kun and Attack on Titan. But still, I appreciate that there is a little bit of variety of titles. Still a lot of shonen action stuff here, but with stuff like Given, you know, we are getting a little more uh, diversity. Somewhat. It's slowly, hopefully, that'll change. It was even more of an eclectic range. But then again, the sh- big shonen hits are always going to be pretty big and popular, so... We'll see. That's the stuff that prints money. Just a quick thing here. I forgot to mention that uh, the first one of Attack on Titan ranked number eight on the list, which pretty pretty good getting in the top ten there, because uh, I think it's usually been a little lower, if I remember correctly. But um, again, Attack on Titan fever is pretty high right now. But uh, just, just to kind of add to your point, while I do think we could hopefully see a little more like variety in terms of like what's on this list, I'm I I'm at least glad that like. You know, like I love My Hero Academia. We both do. We both really enjoy the series. But I'm, I'm kind of glad that like right now it seems like the list isn't just like you know half My Hero Academia all the time anymore. Like I'm, yeah. At least as far as like the other Shonen Jump stuff goes, I'm glad that there's at least a little more variety in that anyway. Mm-hmm. Um. So you know th- that always makes me happy in particular. But uh, I, I I do agree that you know I hope there will come a time when. You know, the, the, the Shonen Jump stuff is always going to be popular, and we know that, but, like, I'm also very happy to see other stuff that isn't Shonen Jump be popular, too. Um, but I think that's about it for the list, unless there was anything you uh, you wanted to add on top of that. No, I just am also glad that we're moving away from when we're coming to this list and saying, oh, hey, this uh, list has been dominated by manga, but half those volumes are just My Hero Academia. I'm glad that we can look at this list and say, hey, the highest selling graphic novels were pretty much all manga, but it wasn't just one series. It was a lot of different series. It's like half a dozen, 10 different series. So yeah, I'm glad to see it move more in that direction. Mm-hmm. But uh, speaking of My Hero Academia in particular... Uh, we have to move on to our serialization news, and we need to start off with some pretty big My Hero Academia news, 
And uh, I promise we'll try not to like talk too much about like spoilers in terms of like where the manga's at right now. But uh, you know, suffice to say that it has been confirmed that uh, My Hero Academia has entered its final act, quote unquote, with Chapter Three Hundred Six in particular. And uh, you know, if you're like us and you're keeping up with My Hero Academia, it is pretty clear that eventually this series is probably going to end within like I'd say two to three years, probably. Yeah, sure. I mean, final arc, final phase, we'll see how long it lasts. I mean, Bleach announced his final arc it went on for four more years. So, you know, I don't think it's necessarily ending soon, soon. But this is like a statement of, hey, we're going to reach the ending sooner rather than later. Yeah. Um, for, for, for those who don't know, Chapter 306 was literally titled The Final Act Begins, if you really needed any more, like, confirmation. But, um... But yeah, I I only I only said what I said just because like I, you know, th- th- there will be some people who just assume like oh it's like re- ending like really soon or whatever, and it's like no, that's I I mean I don't think that's the case anyway. Like again, we we've seen this a lot of times when whenever we whenever we hear that uh, a super popular manga is in its like final stage or final arc or whatever you use in terms of wording like it it usually takes at least like a few years to kind of like wrap everything up in terms of like the story or whatever uh, bleach's final arc like you said went on for a while uh naruto's final arc went on for a while even gintama's final arc went on for a while so i i think we'll see the same thing here like i think we still have like a few years of my hero academia left like there's still so much that i think um that I think Horikoshi in particular needs to wrap up that it's probably going to take a while. Plus it's also really popular. Like I'm, I'm sure that Shonen Jump in particular is probably cool with My Hero Academia, just kind of ending whatever, probably taking its time. Cause yeah, they're not in any hurry. Like it, it's, it's basic. It's a worldwide hit. Like I'm sure they'll be fine with, with it ending, whatever, you know? Yeah. All right. So this is originally where we uh, talked about Phantom Seer possibly ending in Shonen Jump but uh, now, by the time this episode of the podcast has been uh, released to the public, uh, we uh, we definitely know for sure what the fate of Phantom Seer is, whereas before, because of its very vague wording, uh, we were kind of left up in the air and we weren't really sure what was going to happen. But uh, yeah, so we took this part out and uh, we're going to cover that kind of closer to the end of the show, along with a bunch of other news that we needed to add it on to this episode in particular. So... So now on to uh, Lum's very great transition that is now wasted because we took out this part of the episode. See you in a bit. Now there are some series that are coming to more natural ends. For example, Paru Itagaki's Beast Complex. The mini run of that has ended and there will be two more volumes of Beast Complex that will have come out of this run Ooh. with a second and third volume shipping out on April 8th and May 7th, respectfully, in Japan. I'm sure we will get those pretty quickly soon after here as well from Viz. So that's something to look forward to. More stories set in the world of Beast Stars with Parutagaki's like anthropomorphic animal characters I hear there is some Beastars follow-up in Beast Conflicts, like some follow-up to the relationship between Haru and Mugoshi. So that's also something to look forward to if you're a Beastars fan. So yeah, a lot to look forward to there. Mm, that that is really interesting. I like I I was not expecting there to just be more Beast Complex, because obviously when when Viz picked up Beast Complex, it only had like that one volume, but uh 
yeah, I was I can't say I was expecting more of it, but I mean, I'm I am I will not say no to more Paro Itagaki. So there's that. Yes, and I think Paru Tigaki just particularly loves the world she created and drawing her anthropomorphic animal characters and exploring stories in that world. So, you know, Beast Conflict may be done for now, but I would not be surprised if Paru Tigaki wants to continue creating stories in that world or in a world similar to it. Oh, for sure. Some other series of note that are ending or have ended recently include Living Room Matsunaga-san, which will be ending in the July issue of Dessert Magazine. This is a series that I've read the first couple of volumes of, and I, I was turned off from it, or I decided to stop reading it. Because even though there was a lot of things I liked about it in terms of character relationships and, like, supportive, like, friendships and mentor figures, I mean, the central conceit of the series is, like, a high school girl heading into a relationship or like having a crush on and presumably I didn't get to the part where they got into a relationship but like you know having a relationship with an adult man who like runs the boarding house she lives in or whatever but like a lot of people do really like this series and I think the writing of it like the character writing is pretty strong it's just a central relationship that you know is a little problematic but for fans of the series it is going to an end and I from what I hear, I think it'll probably come to a satisfying ending for fans. Wasn't this one on uh, Crunchyroll manga? I feel like the sound. This one. No. Okay, maybe I'm thinking of something else. But um, yeah, I, maybe we'll get to it later. But like, it it feels like I've 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 been seeing like a few series like this where it's like, oh, the older guy finds a high school girl, and <laughs> that is nothing new. That's been a staple of shoujo romance for decades and it is a problematic trope that is kind of frustrating but it can't there are good stories told even despite the trope but it is frustrating to see and you kind of wish that it wasn't there mm-hmm, i see now a series that i really love that's ending soon is new game that is going to end with its 13th volume like this series like the anime adaptation in particular was one that i really enjoyed watching when it was running Especially because, you know, I kind of vicariously reflected a lot of work experience I was having at the time. So I related to the characters a lot and really enjoy it. And yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing how it ends. And yeah, this is a, it's just a series that I enjoy a lot. So I'm glad to see it's coming to uh, an ending and I think it'll be a good ending. You know, so uh, shout out to Jenny McKean for being translator of the manga because she does a great job. Jenny! And... That's about it for series that are ending soon. Let's talk about some newer series that are coming up. Well, actually, we have an ending in the beginning here because Hiroto Wada, the author of the Stitch and Samurai manga, is ending that series. That series is ending, but they have started a new series in Kodansha's evening magazine called Yankee Mito Komon. So they're still sticking with samurai-type Feudal Era series, which is interesting. Tokyo Pop has licensed the Citrin Samurai manga, so that's gonna come out in April. So I am curious about it. Like, I do like Lilo and Stitch and the Stitch character. I think the idea of Stitch in a Samurai world is pretty interesting. So I'm curious to check it out. And I am curious because I do think the art of Wada is very good. The character designs he has are very good. 
to check out if this does ever get uh, translated and licensed, this Mito Kumon manga. Because it seems like a kind of a revision of a very popular period drama. So still sticking with like kind of franchise work, but also still in the same kind of time period and aesthetic. Now we also have some other new franchise-related manga to look forward to because there are going to be a new, some new Fate manga. One is a new Fate Stay Night Unlimited Blade Works manga by Daisuke Moriyama, who also has done the manga for World of Real Chrono Crusade, and this will run in monthly comic to Nikki Dio. There is also going to be another Fate comic from Moriyama, Fate Grand Order Saber Wars 2 Special Edition. This is just a one-shot, but just the title Saber Wars. I looked up stuff about this event, and they really do go whole hog on this Star Wars comparison, because the logo for Saber Wars is in a Star Wars font. But just the idea of it is very funny. I think you have to, like, go around... A bunch of do a bunch of missions with all the different sabers or something like it's it's very funny I like just the concept is very funny to me so that's a that's a one shot to look forward to um but yeah well new adaptation of unlimited blade works my moriyama like i i didn't care for the anime adaptation of unlimited blade works towards the end because i think they just dragged it out and it just felt like it was going in circles but i think the core of it in general, the core of Fate is pretty interesting to me, so I am interested to see how this manga adaptation, how Moriyama tells the story, and potentially it could get licensed. So I'm, if it does, I'm interested in reading it if it uh, becomes available. Fate is one of those franchises that, like, I've always kind of wanted to try, but I also think it's more fun for me to, like, stay out of the loop and, like, see all these things, like, out of context. I would like to try to get into it at some point, though. Yeah, I like the main stuff. I mean, honestly, I think I like the spin-offs of Fate more, like the the comedy slice of life spin-offs. Like, I really like uh, Carnival Phantasm and today's menu for the Emia family. But, like, to enjoy the series, you also have to know Fate and appreciate Fate. So it's not like you can just read or watch those on its own, but... Yeah, I like Fate. I like the characters and the general concept of the story. And I think, like, the best version of Fate is are the Heaven's Field films, but you can't really watch those without knowing another version of the story because it, it assumes that you know a lot of things about the story already. Maybe Fate might have to be like a candidate for our uh, upcoming Anime Club podcast on the Patreon or something. Man, because it's interesting because like, the only Fate TV anime that I think is 100% great is Zero, Fate Zero. But then if you were to go on from Fate Zero to Heaven's Field, there are things you would probably be lost if you haven't seen at least one of the other routes or at least don't know what happens in one of the other Fate routes because the idea behind it is that if you played the visual novel, you'd start with Fate, then you go on to Unlimited Blade Works, and then you finish with Heaven's Field. And then with all three routes, you have the complete picture of what was going on in the world hmm. and the thing that happens feel is that the films presume that you know stuff about the characters already in a relationship so you can just appreciate what is being presented to you in the heavens feel version without like having thinking wait there's this unanswered thing that was not in this route but it was in another route and if you knew that then you're fine but yeah it's, it's a complicated franchise to appreciate 
Yeah, th- th- this is probably something I would either trust you or V-Lord or both to probably take me through at some point, maybe, or some somebody out there who's a who's a real expert at fate stuff. I'm no fate expert. I'm a casual. Like <laughs> V-Lord might be a little more into it, but like I haven't touched like Grand Order or any of that. Like I'm just mainline fates good enough for me. But we've also got some new manga from other established uh, creators, including a new manga from Azu, the creator of Magical Senpai. And this series is called A Sage Has Joined Your Party. It's already started serializing in Weekly Shonen Magazine. So as a Kananja title, I feel like if this is successful, this is a given to get licensed at least for digital distribution at some point. But I do think it is pretty interesting, you know, to have like kind of a... I believe this is like a kind of D&D or like role-playing type manga. Like these characters play like a role-playing type game or D&D game. So I'm kind of interested to read and check this out. We also got a new manga coming from Wakirako, author of My Broken Marco. And their new series is called Lord Thunder and the Human Naval Early Works Collection. It's going to be a collection of short stories. And this came out, and in this, uh, they revealed, though, that they are serializing a new manga called Kariti Yoichi that's going to come out this summer. And there's going to be more information revealed about it at a later date from Comic Bridges, which is a uh, digital publication by Katagawa. So I'm looking forward to more works from Morocco, because I really love my Broken Morocco, and it was a very compelling series. And, well, you haven't listened to the best of manga pod yet but rest assured i do talk about it there and it's definitely a book that i think you should really check out because it deals with some really powerful emotions about dealing with grief and just regret and a bunch of bunch of really powerful painful things but it has a very optimistic ending to it yeah but like you said we, we definitely go over more of that in the best of manga episode coming soon yeah we also got a new manga coming from Even a Monkey Can Draw Manga's Koji Aihara. I really love Even a Monkey Can Draw Manga. It's such a funny, uncompromising, harsh satire of the manga industry and being a mangaka. Like, it's, it's so over the top and great, but it's been long out of print, sadly. And I'm just excited to see a new manga from the author that is also looking to me in the same brain. Like, I became depressed and could not draw a manga. So this is already running and it's going to follow Ihara as he became depressed during the middle of the pandemic and his daily fight against mental illness. So it looks to be in also the vein of like kind of autobiographical manga trend of people dealing with like mental illnesses and their kind of depression problems that we've seen a rise of in recent years. But also knowing like Ihara's sense of humor, I think that there's going to be like uh, some... Some funny takes in sardardic quips about, you know, daily life in it and being a mangaka in it. So I would really enjoy reading this. I would like for this to get maybe licensed and published at some point when it becomes a collected volume or something. Because it's, I don't think any other work of Iharis has been available in English besides even a monkey could draw manga. And again, it's been like, uh, many years since that series has been in print, so. And we've got a new one-shot coming from Kotakashi. Pretty much every year she draws, like, a new one-shot in Big Comic Original. And this year, her one-shot is The Woman from the Past. This will be out on April 5th. It's, of course, part of the roommate Teeter 
series of one shots she does. I think that the illustration she does here for to promote it is pretty interesting. It's like a girl in a mask looking over like this guy in bed. Like in the summary is that it's going to be about a ghost who appears before a regular married couple living a quiet life and the ghost makes the husband feel guilt and the husband or the wife feels the husband's trembling and so their average everyday life begins to trouble. So like, I like seeing Takashi explore more psychological horror series. I'm sure there's going to be comedy knowing Takashi too, but I like that she's delving into horror. Like Mao also has really kind of doubled down on more horror-y stories, which I like seeing from her. So yeah, I I would just hope that we get another Rumikiter collection published over here. Like, Widwiz finally kind of having re-released or released all her major series. I would like to see the one-shot collections of Rumikiter and Rumik World get brought back over and republished. And the new ones that were never, like, published get published. Maybe they can skip the collection of stories, which is about... Like middle-aged dudes cheating on their wives or younger women, maybe we don't need that one necessarily. But the the rest of it, I would very much like to have translated and available to read. I was gonna say, like, there has to come a point where like they start looking into those eventually. I would I would think anyway. Yeah, it seems Takahashi has been on upswing of popularity, and Viz is committed to bringing over and republishing all our major works. So I'm just hoping for the one shot collections as well. And hey, they're finally doing Kira Toriyama's one shot collection. So maybe, you know, it's time to, to take another look at Uka Takashi's as well. Mm-hmm. You've also got some inklings of some new projects in the work or the returns of some projects. The first of these being Makoto Hagino's next work, A Tropical Fish Yearns for Snow, recently ended. We report on this, but it looks like in the Geki Mao, they announced that they are planning their next work. And yeah, I'm looking forward to reading because I really like Tropical Fish and I'm excited for what Hagino does next. One thing I'm also excited for is the return of Yuataze to the pages of Weekly Shonen Sunday by resuming Narada the Legend, which has been on hiatus for a long, long, long time. And yeah, like, it seems that the resumption date has been decided. We don't know it quite yet, but it seems that it's been decided and Shigakun's going to announce the exact return date at a later time, so... That's pretty exciting to see Wataze resume the series and definitely makes me want to catch back up on it. And yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing them continue. But that about does it for the serialization news this time. So now we'll move on to licensing news. And speaking of Shonen Sunday series, sadly, Viz has let one of their Sunday licenses lapse. They no longer hold the license to Cheeky Angel by Hiroki Nishimori which was a series that ran in the late 90s to early 2000s about a boy who made a wish with a genie to be like a manly man, but the genie was a trickster. So instead, he gave him the body of a woman and then she he grew up like in a female body and enters high school and now he's looking for the book to like change his body back. So it's kind of like, an interesting, like, gender, bending gender identity story about essentially a trans man trapped in a cis woman's body. And yeah, I, uh, We Lord and I did 
start collecting series because we didn't want, now that it's out of print, to wait until the point where all the volumes were extremely expensive. So we started collecting and I've started like flipping through it. And obviously there's a lot of dated things and a lot of, you know, stuff that isn't like completely concrete and clear on like what the series' idea gender are. But I do enjoy series that explore those themes of what it means to feel like a certain way about your gender and want to be seen a certain way by other people. I think those are always very compelling stories. And I think that the series does have a good heart in that respect. This is also an interesting title because it is by Hiroki Nishimori, who is the author of Kyokara Orewa, which was a very popular and iconic Sunday series that never was brought over. So this is like the only work of theirs that was published by Viz and translated. So... It's also significant in that respect and interesting to me in that respect. And, uh, yeah, I definitely you can see those sensibilities because it is about punkish, you know, Yankee characters. Like, the male lead is, like, a Yankee character who looks very similar to characters in Oriwa. So, yeah, I think it's a very interesting series. I'm curious to read more of it. And it is a shame that this is let the license lap because I don't know if this would be a type of series. Because of its length, it's like 20 volumes long, that would ever get relicensed. But, yeah. If you are interested in the series, I would recommend you try to search out the volumes before even the early ones become a little pricey, because some of those later ones are getting up there. Oof, yeah, that's that's always the worst. Trying to find volumes of a discontinued thing. I think... Um... Uh, we we haven't talked about it, but I mean, I, I guess in terms of like other stuff uh, that uh, where the license has relapsed, uh, I know I know V Lord mentioned to us that uh, Kodansha doesn't have the license to uh, Animal Land anymore from Makoto Raiku, so people probably should uh, pick that up as well before it gets really pricey. Yeah, I mean Kodansha Japan, I think lost it. I don't know if Kodansha USA has lost it quite yet, but yeah, it looks like. Uh, Raikou is, like, letting all the series kind of fall under the umbrella of, like, his own imprint or label, if I remember correctly. So, yeah, I would advise people if... if yeah, actually, Kanashi USA might have let it lapse because I'm not seeing it as well. So, yeah, I, I would, like, try and search that out. Because that also is a series that I don't think Kodansha printed a lot of copies of later volumes. So those later volumes will get pricey. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, in general, just kind of off topic a little bit. But, like, I I really hope uh, I really hope a publisher over here, like, decides to work with Raikou in the future. Because I really would love to see, like, some of his stuff re-released, like Zatch Bell and... Maybe some of his other, like maybe some of his other stuff that maybe hasn't been released, released possibly. I don't know. I just mm-hmm. most importantly, I would just like a complete run of Zatch Bell in English because I know he didn't really even get that, unfortunately. Yeah, but I guess just to move on from that. Uh, so just a small little update in terms of uh, more canceled Shonen Jump series that are getting digital volumes. And by the time you're listening to this, uh, Zipman Volumes 1 and 2 will be available both digitally from Viz. Um, so if you enjoyed that series in particular, now you could buy both volumes. And uh, I mean, in general, like, I'm, I'm slowly starting to realize that, like, even though you can you can just read these series on the Shonen Jump app for even cheaper, 
I would still say it's worth if you enjoy these series in particular, like it's worth getting the volumes for them for because they also come with like sometimes they come with a lot of extras. And uh, I think in terms of like the specific, you know, canceled show and jump podcast that we do, you know, our, our jump stop podcast. Uh, which I really enjoy recording always. Um, I'm really happy that Viz are coming out with volume releases of some of these series, just because like, I think some of these volume extras in the case of some series might add even like a little more context to certain stuff that we might not have info on, you know, which, uh, you know, I think is always a cool thing. So again, uh, they're available if you want to buy them. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, which of these kinds of series that Viz continues to pick up. Yeah. I think that they will probably get around to all of them. Like all the canceled ones, they'll do the volume leases digitally. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to more. And yeah, I I am curious to check out some of these volume releases. Like, even though they're all available in the vault, I do think sometimes the extras or even, like, the bonus chapters to fill in the gaps of the canceled series can be very helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, we might have talked about it before, but uh, especially for, like... Uh Stealth Symphony in particular has a lot of really good extras. Like I, uh, I don't know for every chapter, for at least a lot of a lot of like individual chapters, uh, Narita will have like notes on like specific chapters and like what went into making them and like his thoughts on them or whatever. So like that kind of stuff, I think is like uh, really worth the price. So, mm-hmm. um, but now we should move on to some actual licenses. Oh, yeah, we have a lot of big ones. Like, Dampa, holy crap, they killed it this month. I mean, they started with a bang when March comes in like a lion. They really did bring March in like a lion, like, roaring a sense of purpose. Like, yo, we have got some big stuff you're going to want to pay attention to. And they completely delivered following it up because they have licensed... Uh, new Gundam manga. They've licensed Uruaki Sabishi and Takayuki Yanaze's Mobile Suit Gundam Shars Counterattack Beltor Chica's Children manga. This is a series that ran in Canada Cowboys Only Gundam Maze Magazine between June 2014 March 2018. It's about a seven volume series, and yes, it is a retelling of Char's Counterattack, but specifically based on Yoshiyuki Tomino's original outline for the film. Ooh. His novelization of his original outline it is based on so it's an alternate version of the events and it is it follows a lot of same story beats but the there are major like character differences and you know differences in terms of like what kind of mechs the characters pilot and so that's a big draw but like there's also that character stuff like the the name of the manga and of the novel belt or cheeky children kind of reflects kind of that in this version of the events, Amaro and Beltorchika uh, were in a relationship, and, you know, Amaro is more of a family man in this one. So it's a completely different take than kind of, like, the loner who's, like, only single-mindedly thinking of, like, Char and, like, is kind of has that more military focus in the film version. So, like, it's an interesting different take on events. Like, I have, I am very excited and curious to read it because I know a lot of Gundam fans were, like, super freaking out about it. They were going, like, absolutely crazy because they were so excited for it. So that gets, gets me excited because, I mean, I don't, I don't think Charlestown or Jack, honestly, is a great film in terms of the story. Like, there are weird things in it that I didn't care for, but I am interested in this alternate take and seeing if Tomino's original vision is a better version or, like, has some interesting things that were left out of the film. 
But they didn't stop there in terms of like big licenses because they also licensed a new Makotoha game on Guard. Specifically, they re-licensed a series that has been long out of print for Makotoha They were 11. This is one of Kageo's most iconic series. And it has been long out of print. This originally did it back in the mid-90s. But yes, this is coming back out. It's going to be a big special release coming in third quarter 2022. It's going to be like a big book that'll have like not just the original series, but also the continued run that came a few years later. So yeah, it's going to be a really deluxe release with color pages and even a fold-out poster. And yeah, I'm pretty excited for this because like more Hagio, especially where classic iconic Hagio is always exciting to read and yeah I, this has been out of print for a long time it is one of Hagio's most iconic works so I'm, I'm super excited that it's going to be back in print and it's going to have a new translation and it's just going to be given a deluxe release from a publisher that isn't going to like price it in a way that makes it kind of hard for a lot of people to buy because it's like a $40 book <sighs> Or, and also, when it goes out of print, it becomes insanely expensive because it'll keep it in print that long. Because, yeah. So, I'm very glad to see uh, a company other than Fantagraphics, you know, Fantagraphics is great, works on the releases, uh, pick this up. Mm-hmm. No, I, I mean, I, I in general, I think it's I think it's good that we're getting more Moto Hagio stuff. I definitely need to read more of their works in particular. Mm-hmm. We also got some new manga from Square Enix to look forward to. Basically, the manga adaptation of My Izekai Life. I gained a second character class and became the strongest sage in the world. That comes to us from Ponjea. And this series is, yeah, it's about like a corporate drone who works all the time. But then he's like summoned to another world after his PC flashes a message. And he tries to restart his machine, but he inadvertently accepted the summons. So now he's in a fantasy world, and he wants to just get back to the world he left behind. That's all he thinks about. But he quickly discovers he has a monster tamer character class, and that allows him to befriend slimes. And thanks to those uh, slimes and their numbers, he's able to absorb a lot of magical knowledge, and he gains a second character class in Blink of an Eye. So now he becomes the greatest sage to the rebels ever known, but paperwork uh, seems to be still on his mind. So this uh, has a lot of similarities to a lot of standard Isekai tales, but I do think that the person and the protagonist might set it out. The fact that he really couldn't care about any of the stuff in the fantasy world and just wants to go back to do his paperwork <laughs> could be very funny. Could be like a tr- uh, premise in the same vein of a uh, cautious hero, like where the protagonist is like such a weird character that makes everyone around him like kind of weirded out because he his his priorities are a lot of whack so Mm -hmm. yeah that could be fun no yeah for sure but i guess we can move on to uh one piece books in particular who are coming out with uh three new titles uh the first of which being i belong to the baddest girl at school from ui kashima uh, that's going to be released on August 17th, and it seems, basically seems to be like a rom-com kind of thing uh, about a boy and a girl. Uh, the girl in particular basically comes up to the comes up to the guy and uh, makes him her gopher. But uh, but but I guess the way the situation plays out, misunderstandings ensue, and he thinks like, "Oh, I guess we're I guess we're going out now or whatever." 
and uh that that's that's basically kind of the relationship dynamic that these two have it seems and um well i think you actually oh so i think the girl is the one who thinks they're like dating and the boy thinks that he's just the girl's gopher i mean that's what the summary says like she was asking him out Okay, because I I was reading through the summary and I I did get a little confused about like who was in what role, admittedly. So I probably definitely got that wrong. Um, but still, I I think this sounds pretty cute, actually. Like I I would at least check this out. Yeah, it sounds like a cute premise. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up we have uh, Multi Mind Mayhem Isekai Tensei Sodoki, uh, from uh, Ryosen Takami and Honji Honji. That'll be coming out on September 14th. So this is supposed to be an isekai title, it seems. But uh, I'm I'm confused about like how, how that mechanic works in particular. Because from, from the summary, they mention how basically the main character is the son of a nobleman from an empire in a parallel universe. And that besides his own consciousness, he has the consciousness of like two other people. Uh, one of them being a, a samurai dude and the other being a high school otaku who loves animal ears in particular. So I think the isekai aspect of this is that the samurai and the high school otaku are the people who are isekai. Their souls were isekai into the body of this nobleman character who is a character who exists in the fantasy world. Uh, okay. But he now has the souls of characters from like, quote unquote, our world who are now inhabiting him. That's the Isekai. Like, those souls of those other characters are now in his body. See, now, you know, as we've probably talked about before, I'm not usually, like, very super into Isekai, but, like, the the premise of this one at least is pretty interesting. Like, it's not one that I've seen from a lot of other Isekai before. Like, mm-hmm. I can't think of too many other series that I know of where... It's specifically the souls of these other characters being isekai'd to another character. That's that's not something I feel like I've seen before. Yeah, I think it's a novel take that instead of a person reincarnating, like their soul just coexists in someone else's body. And it's not like they are completely someone else. They're just their soul is in their body as well. And they can like communicate with the person they're inhabiting. So that is an interesting twist on things. Mm-hmm. I, again, I would at least check this out because, again, w- one of the more interesting isekai premises I've seen, admittedly. So there's that. Uh, last but not least, uh, one title that I've been hearing a bit of talk about that I, I think I probably alluded to earlier is uh, Hige Hiro. After being rejected, I shaved and took in a high school runaway from uh, Shime Saba and Imaru Adachi. And uh, yeah, so this I know I'm pretty sure is getting an anime that's supposed to be on Crunchyroll soon, which um, I I saw that uh, Crunchyroll purposely didn't put like a synopsis in for this one, probably because like I I feel like a lot of people wouldn't be into this one. I think that's the other series about like middle-aged character who wants to be in a relationship with a high school girl. Am I actually getting- this one, yes, I think you got to get confused with a different series. Okay. This one is actually, like, I don't know if it's actual, well, I might be considering Syrian calls it a rom-com, but this is one where, like, the premise might be more provocative than the content of the series. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, like, this is also I would not a great premise of, like, yeah, this, like, adult character who ha- forms a relationship with a high school girl. And I don't know if it will- stay romantic or like it'll just be this tension that hopefully never gets paid off on either way it's kind of like a a kind of an idea that treads the line there in an uncomfortable way Mm -hmm. yeah 
not not really something I'd be into personally, but I mean, you know, if you're listening and that sounds like it's up your alley, um, One Piece Books will be releasing the first volume of this on October 14th. So, hey, you know, if, if you want to check it out, it's coming. But uh, yeah, I mean, really, actually, I, I actually do think, bes- besides that title in particular, I do think uh, the other two were probably a little bit more up my alley. Yeah, the other two have premises that do intrigue me. They do sound pretty novel and could be quite fun. Mm-hmm, for sure. All right, but uh, I think we should move on to uh, Tokyo Pop in particular. Yeah, Tokyo Pop announced a new license called Her Royal Highness Seems to Be Angry from author Ko Yatsuhashi, character designer Mito Nagishiro, and artist Niku Yotsuba. The first part of this will come out on July 6th. It's about a princess from a remote kingdom who is very much beloved by her subjects, has powerful magic, but her land's ravaged by an endless war and she loses everything, even her own life. But then she awakens her eyes in a place she's never been before. A thousand years have passed. She's been reincarnated in another person's body. And she's now living as a person who is despised by her own family and even her fiancé. And so the former princess is struggling to understand the new world she's in, the events that have transpired since her death. So... There's a lot to be upset about, but the first thing on our list is, like, how did future magic turn out so lame? So, it's interesting. It's like a reincarnation story, not from someone from the normal world who gets reincarnated in the fantasy world. It's, like, within the fantasy world, someone's reincarnating just at different points in history of this world. And apparently in the future of this world, the magic has become, you know, pretty bad or has not progress very well so yeah i'm curious to see like how that pans out it seems like a pretty interesting premise and i do like the character design of the princess Hmm. yeah doesn't sound bad um so this next license uh i was particularly interested in because i've actually read all of this before um so uh, a blaze publishing in particular is going to be releasing the breaker which is a manhwa in particular and they'll be releasing the first 15 chapters in a 400-page omnibus volume uh, this June 30th. And so, yeah, Lam, I don't know if you're familiar with the series at all, but um, and I, 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 oh man, I, it's been a while since I've, because uh, I, admittedly, I think I read this when it was scanned, but uh, so it's, mm. it's, it's been a while since I've read it. But um, from from what I remember about the series, I remember really enjoying it. If I remember correctly, this series is. Um, it kind of starts out a little GTO-ish where you basically have this kid who's kind of a wimp and can't stand up for himself in a fight. And uh, this teacher comes along who is uh, very Onizuka-ish, you know, very much goes against the mold, is not like your regular teacher, um, and basically saves him from being bullied. And from there, he like he kind of gets more involved in this teacher's life like because he's basically involved in like underground fighting and crime or whatever because like this criminal organization is after him um but he like teaches the kid how to like fight and defend himself and the story kind of goes from there but uh yeah I, I remember reading all of this and i remember like really enjoying it back in the day um obviously this is something that like i would i would love to like pick up and reread because i it's been such a long time since i've read it um, one of the few like manhwa I've I've ever read. Like I don't I don't typically read a lot of like Korean comics, but like uh, I would like to read more of them. And I think like the, the, this was the first one I ever read. Like one I just kind of found randomly, and I 
I got through it pretty fast, actually. I think I've read through all of it in like a week or two. It was uh, it was it was very action packed, very exciting. And um, I personally, I would recommend it. And I'm I'm glad it's getting an English release. Yeah, this is a title I've known about for a long time and have heard a lot of good things about. So I'm just glad that finally it's uh, been licensed. Mm-hmm. No, I, I, I feel like a lot of people would be very into this. Mm-hmm. But I guess we should move on to Yen Press. Yeah, Empress has licensed a few new things as well, including another series in this villainous genre, uh, a new series from Sarasa Nagase and Mai Murasaki called I'm the Villainous, So I'm Taming the Final Boss. And these light novels are going to come out in September. And yeah, it's basically about, you know, a person who gets I get revived or or, yeah, she might be just a villainous character who, like, you know, gets consistently revived and has to relive her life. But, yeah, she remembers her past life and she decides to break all the rules because, yeah, her plan to, like, survive this in this series is to claim the Demon King as her own. So it's, yeah, not, it's kind of another villainous reincarnation one. Well, in this case, it seems like she actually leans into being the villainous, which is kind of interesting and fun. So yeah, I do like the characters on the cover, and I would be curious to see like finally like one of the reincarnations of villain stories where like the character like kind of embraces being the villain by breaking rules and stuff. We also got a new No Game No Life uh spin-off novel called No Game No Life Practical War Game, which takes place before the creation of the world of the series, this board, where there was a bunch there you know, there was a terrible war raging. But besides like humanity fighting, like there was also an elf who also had her own dreams for the future. And that's, of course, Dink Nerovan, and we just follow her exploits throughout the Great War, along with several out-of-the-world stories originally included in bonus features in the anime. So yeah, it's a prequel collection of short stories about Dink Nerovan in the No Game No Life world. So yeah, if you're a fan of the series, like definitely check it out. I like No Game No Life, but I don't really remember this character. Maybe they were in the novels... Uh, past where the anime adapted but yeah i am a fan of the series in general so i am curious to check out things related to it and just another yen press update was that yotsuba's 15th volume is gonna be coming out soon and that's pretty great that'll be coming out in september and it's been quite a long time since the last volume so that's always a nice treat We've also got something new from Cross Infinite World, a new novel called Romance of the Imperial Capital Kotagami Tale of Living Alongside Spirits. This is going to come out digitally on May 31st. It's written by Yamori Mitikusa. It is going to be released physically at a later date, and it's a retro-modern romantic fantasy set in the tale of the Kotagami. After a fearsome beast burns down a woman's company lodgings, you know, Akari, the protagonist, finds herself homeless, out of a job, but she's rescued by a handsome yokai, and he gives her a job as a living custodian and a man of the city, and so she accepts the offer, but... It's a house full of eccentric Kodogami cigarettes, and it's not quite the sweet deal she was hoping for, but she still resigns to, you know, she doesn't have many options. So she decides to work there, cohabit with her new roommates, and it 
it is a heartwarming tale of trials, new friendships, and the blossoming romance of this hardworking young woman, which the handsome Yuki rescued her, you know, living in this age where Kotokami spirits walk among humans. So, this sounds like a nice type of story in the vein of, you know, character kind of has to work in this place full of spirits, you know, spirited away-esque kind of tale. So, yeah, I think this sounds like a pretty charming little story based on the synopsis. Now, we've got some big ones from Ganansha as well that we got to talk about, like some new license announcements. Mm-hmm. And I guess I can uh, start off by talking about some of them here. And uh, the first one we'll talk about is uh, when will Ayu make his move uh, from Soichiro Yamamoto, who is the author of uh, Teasing Master Takagi-san, in which the synopsis reads, uh, Ayumu is in love with his senpai uh, Yaotome, but he swore not to confess his feelings until he can beat her at the board game Shogi. The problem is his love is obvious to Yaotome, and she can't stop trying to trick him into breaking his vow. Kodansha basically recommends the series to people who enjoy stuff like uh, Don't Toy With Me, Miss Nagatoro, Komi Can't Communicate, and Shikamori's Not Just a Cutie. Yeah, I like Teasing Master Tagagi-san quite a bit, and I like the series that they mentioned that this is similar to, like Nagatoro and Komi. So yeah, I think that I am quite interested in this. Mm-hmm. I, I would I would check this out. Admittedly, I haven't I haven't read any of Teasing Master Takagi-san, but I I feel like I can get into that like dynamic of like uh, I guess it's I guess it's more um what's the title of that series? It 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 kind of sounds like Kaguya Samish to me a little bit, where it's like oh what the the girl is trying to like get the guy to like admit that. Uh, that he loves her or whatever. Yeah, not quite as competitive because the idea yeah. in Kaigasan is like they both are stubbornly don't want to be the first one to admit their feelings, so they have to play these like mind games with each other to try and get the other one to fess up first. Yeah. But yeah, it is kind of in this vein of like series where one character is clearly into another character and they show that by like teasing them or like being kind of aloof around them. And then another character is kind of slow to draw, but like slowly, like kind of does end up falling for them. Yeah, I can I can get behind series like those. Those are kind of up my alley. Um, next up, we have Penguin and House from Akiho Ieda, in which Pen is a penguin. His favorite things are pancakes and fastidious household upkeep. Pen lives in the city with his friend Hayakawa, a human. They can't communicate in words, so the only way for Pen to express his love is by doing laundry and getting good deals at the supermarket. This is a chronicle of their life together, and uh, as Kanasha says, let it snuggle next to your shelf next to a man and his cat or way at the house husband. So this uh, this sounds like a very cute slice of life-ish kind of thing. Um, Kind of reminds me of, uh, I mean, it's probably not the exact same thing, but it does kind of remind me of uh, The Emperor and I a little bit. Yeah, I mean, penguins live in a domestic, you know, normal household situation, yeah. Honestly, I will not say no to more penguin manga. Penguins are very cute. Um, Next up, we have Rent a Really Shy Girlfriend from uh, Reiji Miyajima, and this is basically... The official manga spinoff of Rent a Girlfriend, starring a particular character, Sumi, the shy girl longing to come out of her shell. So basically, if you're into Rent a Girlfriend, you'll probably want to check this out. Yeah, you know, the thing about Rent a Girlfriend was like the series would be really great if it didn't have the male lead in it. <laughs> like all the girls are very interesting and I would like to follow their stories, but I just the male lead sucks. So <laughs> like 
a series that's just about one of them and it hopefully doesn't have the male lead in it but it's just about like her like you know being a rented girlfriend and like trying to get over like her social anxiety and awkwardness when she's doing on like these dates and doing her job you know that actually does sound like interesting to me like because i think the character the the girls the rent a girlfriend girls they are interesting like this the male lead i don't care i don't care about the the relationships but he has with the girls but like the girls themselves just doing their job and their like experiences on the job going on these dates like yeah i could definitely read a series about that you know actually i'm gonna let you talk about this next series since you're you're the big tezuka fan here yeah we finally got a new Tesca manga license from a company that isn't DMP, which now that Kodansha and Vertical, I mean, as we're going to talk about, they've basically combined. Maybe that also makes sense because Vertical previously did a bunch of Tesca stuff and a lot of physicalic stuff. So, but finally, like, we've got a new Tesca manga for some place that isn't DMP. And that is Bomba, which is about. Well, it's a trailer about a phantom killer horse, about a boy who has the power to summon a phantom killer horse by channeling the feelings of hatred inside of him. He's like, a, the main character is a quite introverted middle schooler. He's crushed on his teacher, but like the another teacher he has who's violent and he hates him. He's proposed to the teacher he likes, and so he channels his hatred and anger into creating the Phantom Trail Horse Baba. So it's like a wild out there premise. I like that we're getting like these out there crazy Tezuka manga now. Now I heard that a lot of people don't necessarily think this is one of Tezuka's best works, but I'm just curious to read like some of his more bad shit, crazy, insane stories because he does have a lot of those and this sounds like one of them. I am definitely very interested in checking this out. Uh, the most out of like everything here but you know th- that's probably not fair because it is Tezuka and I admittedly haven't read a lot of his works but a- a- anything from Tezuka I'm pretty game for personally so uh, but the next one we have on the list is uh, I'm probably going to pronounce this wrong Cigaretta? Cigaretta? I probably pronounced that wrong Cigaretta yeah from Minoru Furia in which uh, Yusuke Ogino is an average-looking, bullied 17-year-old. His modest dream is to get a motorcycle license and get closer to the beautiful Yumi. But to his surprise, Yumi has approached him. This might be a trap, and a psychopathological stalker menaces their pursuit of happiness. So I was kind of looking more into this series in particular because I wasn't sure like how much the premise really like told me about the actual story. And from what I could tell, I, I didn't get a chance to like look it up as much as I wanted to. But uh, interesting that this series, I think, came out in like 2003. So like, it's kind of interesting that uh, Kodansha picked up. I mean, I mean, I guess they picked up a Tezuka thing. So like, this isn't like the oldest thing they picked up or anything. But uh, I was I was kind of surprised that they like just picked this up now since it's uh, almost 20 years old now. But um, I had heard like a little bit about the series. I, I don't really admittedly like know much about it, but it seems to be like a psychological like thriller kind of thing. I don't know. It, 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 lo- it looks it looks like really mature and dark. And I don't know, it like from from the little I know about it, it it sounds like it could be good. Um, all right. But the next uh, I guess the last title we're going to talk about here is Emma Dreams of Stars, uh, which is apparently based on a true story of a former Michelin guide inspector, which I'm assuming from the little research I did, like 
seems to be kind of like an undercover food critic kind of person. Mm-hmm. I'm, maybe I'm wrong about that. I'm not sure. But uh, yeah, so basically this is sort of an, uh, I think, an autobiographical kind of work about Emma, who is a food writer who can't give up her childhood dream of becoming a Michelin guide inspector. And then she uh, sends her resume to the Michelin headquarters. Uh, She is informed nine months later that there is an opening and goes to a mysterious interview. And I'm assuming the the story goes from there. And yeah, I, I thought this seemed pretty interesting in particular. I, uh, I I definitely don't know much about like the the French like food critic scene, so uh, I'd be interested in checking this out. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, I guess I guess out of all of these, I'm, I'm I'm assuming Bomba is probably like the one you're interested in the most, or am I wrong? That is true, but I actually am interested in all these series. They all have very intriguing premises to me, or are in general something I would be interested in checking out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think Kodansha came up with a lot of good stuff here. And I, I thought I saw somewhere that they're, I think they're going to eventually do like another, um, they're going to do like another live stream thing where they're supposed to like announce more stuff. Yeah, I think so. I think we'll probably get some more announcements soon. Mm-hmm. Which uh, obviously we'll, we'll, we'll talk about those when we have the chance to on the podcast here. Um, but we're not really done with Kodansha news yet, e- even though we are done with uh, licensing news. We, you mentioned uh, earlier, Lum, that uh, there's some Kodansha rebranding going on. If you want to talk about that a little bit, yeah. Essentially, Kodansha and Vertical have finally consolidated, which seems to have been kind of like the inevitable thing after they kind of were all brought under the same corporate umbrella. So now there is no like Vertical books anymore. All the manga is being done by Kodansha now, and then the light novels that Vertical was mainly specializing in, those are now all going to be done under the imprint of Kodansha books. With the consolidation has come a new redesign for the Kodansha website, a new logo for Kodansha, which is pretty clever. It's like manga panels, but they are broken up in a way that they form a K. It's a, it's a little hard to read the K, but I get the idea of it, and it's pretty smart. I think what would make it better is if, like, the one that's on the left column, like, if there wasn't a line intersecting that left column, like, it was just, like, a long vertical panel, and then we had that line in between, and then it was, like, the two panel breaks for the K, because I think that just connect that connection there, like, between, like, the panel break in the center, and then this thing that is connecting it from like the left side to to that is just that's where the confusion comes in but oh it's still a very clever concept for the logo uh the website has a great new redesign which was designed by evan minto who you may know from the any gamers podcast and his writing for a bunch of places like crunchyroll and otaku usa you know, he is a website designer, UI designer, and yeah, it was really great. Like a detail that I think Sarah Lindsay pointed out is like the for all the manga for all the series, like they are all manga panels, which have like different color controls, like set from, you know, the CMYK uh, settings. So that's a pretty cool detail. In general, like I think the website redesign was pretty cool, pretty good. And yeah, so if you were following like Vertical, that Twitter account is now Kadantra Books. So it's at Kadantra Books now. So yeah, and we kind of knew this was all going to come basically at the beginning of the month. 
you know, there was a, some announcements, some rumblings on the Facebook pages for the Kardashian say that, you know, something big is happening. And uh, it, it, it did, like, yeah, early, again, earlier this month. So, yeah. Uh, it's a sad to see vertical go, but like functionally, it's kind of the same thing. It's just like everything is under just Kananja's umbrella now, which sort of makes sense. I just hope there weren't like any layoffs in the process, but probably not. It's just now it's like all, well, now it's, these were two different manga companies, now they're just one. And yeah, we also have some other industry news. Like we have to follow up on the news we talked about or you've heard about on the last episode about Seven Seas and their light novel editing practices. Like it turns out there was some old so some updates in I'm in Love with the Villainous where there were portions of the book cut and removed during the editorial process. These were discovered by like fans and then the author even took note of it and like you know they felt that you know oh, there surely must have been an, a reason but they're still sad that these world or these changes were made and they just called on fans to like act calmly and rationally while discussing the issue and like yeah but thank them for this part mainly the portions that were cut from the book involved inner dialogue from the story's protagonists like reflecting on her relationship with her love interest and like the boundaries she might have been overstepping and comparing her overenthusiasm with like kind of how gay entertainers are represented on Japanese television and referencing some very specific cultural and comedic stereotypes of how gay entertainers are portrayed on Japanese TV and oh you know a lot of those portrayals have been very criticized by the LGBT community in Japan and they are very homophobic in a lot of ways and so the protagonist was worrying that the way she was coming across was like not only perpetuating these ideas but also it was being like a she was using them as like a defense mechanism to be accepted and she was wondering if, like, gay entertainers in Japan were, like, doing it that way. It makes sense. So it seems like Seventeen's might have cut this out just because it was a very specific, like, cultural detail that they didn't think English readers would necessarily get without that context. But I think they, instead of cutting it out, they should probably should have, like, you know, had, like, a addendum at the end of the book to provide cultural context rather than remove part of the story. But regardless, it seems Seven Seas has acknowledged this and they're going to revise the book in a couple weeks and restore those omitted sections, not just with I'm in love with the Willinus, but also with the other novels we discussed where they had edited portions of the book, like Classroom of the Elite and Mushiko Tensei. They are going to redo them. They're going to re-add the stuff that they took out and they're going to basically have those out those redone merchants out mid-april early may-ish but yeah seven seas has owned up to it and they're going to change and reconsider how they edit books going forward so like important details lines are not lost or like changed from what they were so it seems the situation is pretty much resolving itself uh, right now like seven seas is probably not going to overreach in terms of like making editorial changes to the books they put out so yeah i think that is pretty much it for that situation like uh, i mean i'm glad that i guess you know it is kind of weird to wet to like uh release 
stuff that is like fundamentally altered in a way that doesn't reflect the original intent of the author, even if the original intent is kind of confusing or doesn't translate or needs like explanation or context behind. So, you know, Seven Seas is not marketing like these series to like little kids, you know, it's not like four kids adapting Pokemon like this. These are being picked up by teens and adults who are going to do the research and figure this stuff out, what was taken away. So, yeah, it's it's kind of best to just leave things be. I was going to say, yeah, like the, the internet exists now, like pe- people are going to pick up on this stuff. Yeah. Now we have another big industry change in story, like a story that could affect how things play out in the anime industry. And that's the fact that the Sony proposed acquisition of Crunchyroll is kind of facing an impediment in the sense that the U.S. Department of Justice has extended an antitrust review of the acquisition. So, you know, they're trying to determine if the deal is going to give Sony dominance over the anime market, a potential monopoly. And so... This investigation is potentially delaying the sale for several months and potentially if they decide, yo, this is going to give Sony a monopoly over the anime industry, we can't allow that, that could kill it. And it's kind of interesting that they're stepping in here and they didn't really step in with the Disney-Fox merger, but, you know, we also discussed this before, like, it, this merger is going to give Sony, like, an uh, inordinate amount of power and influence in the anime industry, which isn't super great, isn't, like, the best thing we want. So, like, whatever happens is going to be interesting to me, like, what direction, how this is going to play out. And if Warner can't sell a Crunchyroll to Sony, I do wonder what they will do with it then. Like, if they would try to give it, find another buyer for it, or if they're going to cut their losses, like what is going to happen? The fallout from this is going to be interesting. Mm. See, like the more I think about it, the more I think like I, I feel like Crunchyroll has to bring in enough money to like justify keeping it, and unless I mean, so the problem is that you know AT and T is like in billions of dollars in debt, and they're looking to get rid of the things that aren't essential to their business, like. Yes, Crunchyroll is like something that is growing. It's bringing money, but that's what makes it lucrative to people to buy. It's not like the franchises that Warner like owns outright and wants to keep. Like they don't want to sell their IP of like the DC universe or the all the networks that they own or anything. Like that's content that they can mine for their HBO Max. Like Crunchyroll is specializing in like hosting and licensing content that are owned by other people. So that's what makes it kind of like something that's easy for AT&T to look at and say, hey, this is something that's growing, but this is not something that hosts stuff that we own outright or hosts IP that we can like that are like essential to our business. So if we are going to gut anything from our entertainment sectors, it's probably going to be this. Mm. I mean, I, I guess assuming this deal doesn't go through, like I can't really imagine like who else could buy Crunchyroll. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I do wonder. I really hope that like, to, you know, knock on wood. I, I really hope that like, you know, Disney doesn't like come in and buy yeah, it or something. Neither Disney or Amazon. Those are the worst case scenarios. Yeah. Especially Disney. We don't want Disney to have even more a monopoly on the entertainment we can do. Yeah, I, re- I really don't want to see the day where it's like, hey, the Demon Slayer movie 2 co- brought to you by Disney. 
mm-hmm. or something. I just no, I I can't I can't do it. I don't think it will happen, but like I mean, you never know, I guess. Um, because like like I said, besides like the like the bigger companies like them and Amazon, like yeah, I don't if if they still want to sell Crunchyroll, like I I don't know who could like feasibly actually buy them for the price they're looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, again, I guess we'll have to see. We'll obviously keep you guys updated as the story continues. Mm-hmm. Now we're going to move on to our miscellaneous news. We got to start off with some memoriams for some very important iconic animators that have passed away. Starting off with Yatsu Otsuka, recently passed away. Yasu Otsuka, of course, was a longtime animer at you know, Toei, and worked with Ghibli, and Miyazaki, and yeah, like, he animated on a lot of iconic films, like Horror Prince of the Sun, Future Boy Conan, Castle of Kagilostro, in which he was also character designer. He was basically the mentor of Miyazaki, his close friend, and he was the director, character designer for, like, the first loop on TV series, he basically defined the look of that series of franchise. And he instructed, like, many generations of animators at Yoyogi Animation Academy. So, like, he... His impact in the animation industry in Japan is just indelible and, like, so important. And it's such a shame to see him pass away. Like, he, he's responsible some, for some really iconic characters, iconic sequences in film history. Also, sadly passed away recently was Minako Shiba, who was a character designer, mainly working with Perot, and she... Did a lot of character designs for a lot of very popular series like Noir, Black Butler, Card to Ghost, Boss of Reservoir Chronicle, Hack Signed, Kamibachi, like just so many series. The most recent work she did was on Hypnosis Mike last year. She was also like a key animator and anime director on a lot of other series like Dr. Stone and Blood Plus. So, you know, another very veteran, prolific character designer and animator who's touched a lot of series, a lot of series that I've really enjoyed. So... Like, rest in peace to her as well. And, yeah, it's always sad to lose very prominent figures in the anime manga industry. And, you know, we should celebrate and honor their memories. But we'll now move into some more, you know, uplifting news or some news to get, like, excited about. Because there's some upcoming anime adaptations that... We are really looking forward to, including a Miyako-chan anime, like the very popular, very great horror comedy series is getting an anime adaptation. And the trailer is out. It looks pretty good. Teaser visual looks pretty good. So, yeah, it's going to be being produced by Passion. It's directed by Yuki Ogawa, who also directed FLCL Progressive and some other series like Interspecies reviewers but i really like progressive uh and it's going to be supervised and written by kente hara who did psychotonic evil cautious hero and chikasi karekaru who was the character designer for junior tyson is also the character designer on this series and chief animation director and the monsters are going to be designed by Mikata Uno, who also designed for High School DXC and its species reviewers. So yeah, Miyoko-chan's a great series, and I am look forward to seeing it translate into animation and seeing how, like, kind of color and 
filmmaking can like you know how that is going to change the experience of reading the series because it's like such a great horror comic i'm interested in seeing how it'll work in adaptation mm-hmm. yeah i'm definitely interested in uh checking that out but in terms of uh some other horror anime that uh I don't know if I'm really necessarily looking forward to, but we are getting more of, apparently. Basically, Junji Ito's newest work that came out in Japan, uh, on the wraparound jacket for it, it was basically announced that basically his stories are going to be, uh, are getting more anime with the uh, Junji Ito Masterworks collection. A uh, new anime project is in the works. Um, I don't know if this is supposed to be like a sequel to the, like, the Junji Ito collection anime that we got. Or if it's even going to be, like, uh, by the same, like, team that worked on that show. Or if there's supposed to be something different. But we we do know that more Junji Ito stuff is going to be animated eventually. Um, personally, from... And we might have talked about this before. But, like, uh, from, from the little of what I had seen and heard of the previous Junji Ito collection anime series. If it is going to be by the same people, I'm not really sure if I'm that interested in watching it, quite honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, again, from what I've seen, like that that Junji Ito collection anime is not very. I mean, obviously, they're like you're going to have some changes from manga to anime, and there are going to be certain things that like only Junji Ito can pull off in the form of comics. But it is also one of those things where it's like, unfortunately, it's just from from what I could tell, it's not very representative of his work. Again, which is why I'm I'm very excited for the new Uzumaki anime, hopefully coming out still this year, I think. Um, mm-hmm. That actually looks like it's going to look like Ito's stuff, and is probably going to be, um, I don't know how animated it'll be necessarily, but it'll. I'm sure it'll at least be like directed well, you know? I think that's probably the secret to like making animated Junji Ito stuff work, like, you know, I don't know, like, Junji Ito stuff, I'm not, ex- I'm not expecting, like, a- amazing Sakuga-level animation or whatever from it, from it or whatever. But yeah, I-, I think if you get, like, a really good director on on a Junji Ito thing, I can- I think it could really shine. Absolutely. Um, but I guess we'll just have to see what comes of that. But uh, yeah, Lum, we have another season of Another Thing coming if you want to talk about that. That's true. Yashimi will be getting a second season, which is not really a surprise because as the season was running close, it was like, well, there's no way they can wrap up the story because it hasn't progressed to the point where I could believe the story was wrapping up. And it certainly ended in a way that was like, well, that was certainly a big cliffhanger or rather that's a big way to end your season. I don't know if I certainly agree with it or think it's going to stick even, but yeah. There's going to be more of it. Yashime is honestly a kind of a disappointment of a series. Like, I was not very happy with it, but I will continue to watch it because I am a Yanyash fan, so I'll just watch it to see what happens. But I am very disappointed that the story has kind of been all over the place and fallen apart. And I think the characters really did deserve better because I think the lead trio characters were also very fun and great, but just the plot they're a part of is just the best. But something that I am looking forward to is the next season of Attack on Titan, because Attack on Titan is going to continue. Like, we thought that this was the final season, but it's only part one of the final season. Part two is coming next winter, 2022. And this season of Attack on Titan has rekindled my interest and appreciation for the series. Like, now I'm, like, fully on board in Attack on Titan, and the themes, meshes, exploring, and the plot. And, yeah, I'm super excited for it, because it 
was a great adaptation this season, and I'm really looking forward to seeing the direction of the story, how it concludes. I mean, I'll probably try and finish the manga before them, but even so, like, the anime just brings it up to a so another level and always has, so yeah. I am glad that it will be getting a complete adaptation, and I'm, I'm glad that uh, I continued on with the series because I'm definitely way more into it now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm hoping the final season ends up uh, doing well. Indeed. Now we're going to talk about some licensing, releasing things just a little bit. And we got a bunch of stuff from Discotech. A lot to be excited about, in fact. Oh, yeah, for sure. You you only had one of these that you really had tops on. I'll talk about some of the others, but why don't you start? Yeah, yeah. So, like, personally, for me, the biggest thing that they announced, because, I mean... For those who don't know, like Discotech was really like hyping up this like uh this like live stream thing they were gonna do, and they were really emphasizing how like oh man guys we have we have so many things and like we have like something especially that like you, that we picked up that you won't even believe we picked up or whatever and so I think I feel like the one they were talking about is your brother probably um, so that because that's. You know, the wheelhouse that Discotech works in and their audience, that's the series people are excited for, and for good reason. But yeah, Sergeant Frog is an insanely big deal considering the length of a series. This is going to be the longest series that Discotech has ever put out. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. So yeah, th- this is interesting. So yeah, like you said, they are going to be releasing all of Sergeant Frog, all of Kiro Ginso, um, all 358 episodes in successive SD Blu-ray volumes. Uh, you know, says to be beginning later this year, and um, yeah, Sergeant Frog, I'm really excited for it because, um, I mean, I guess just really quickly, like, Sergeant Frog was something that, like, I was actually into before it was called Sergeant Frog. Um, mm-hmm. I, I remember getting into the series, like, when I was pretty young, like, in like, I think when I was just starting high school, I like found it and I was really into it for a while, and I remember trying to watch all of it, and like, I remember the days when, like, when only not even like half of the show was fan subbed. Like I would, I would, I would literally like look around for episodes and see like small YouTube channels, like doing their own fan subs and for only, only for them to be like taken down months later and then restart back up. Like it was, it was kind of a chore to try to watch a lot of the show, quite honestly, after a certain point. Yeah. And then eventually like Funimation picked it up for, uh, I think like, uh, what was it? Like 50 episodes, a hundred episodes. They did 78. They did three seasons. Okay, so, yeah. I was always sad they did not get to Kero versus Gawaru Platoon. That would have been a great place for them to end their dub. Like, that's a great climax of a story arc. It is pretty good, yeah. Yeah, but now we'll get all of it. All the anime from this good So that's pretty exciting. And I'm curious how the streaming's going to work. Because Funimation still has certain product streaming. Yeah. So I'm curious when those rights elapse or if they'll lapse. Like, I, don't, I wonder how the streaming situation works, especially for the episodes of Funimation that are licensed. But yeah, I'm glad that it's all going to be available on home video. I definitely will pick this up because I'm excited to have it all. Oh, yeah. I'm going to own all of Sergeant Frog. It's going to be so good. I can't wait for this. I am curious of like what dubs they'll have on it. Like, will they have just Funimation dub? Will they also include the Animax dub? Hmm. Curious. Oh, will they also have as bonus features some of the other dubs they created, like the like first test dub Funimation did, or the one eighty V did? Oh, I remember that. Yeah, like the version where they just shortened the names to like Caro or Gear, like they removed one syllable, and it was 
more adapted so that they could show it on kids TV, which never went out. So Funimation then just did their whole hog like gag every right version. But yeah, they, they basically did the Shin Chan thing. Uh, not as far as Shin Chan. Like they didn't like change like entire characterizations like Shin Chan did. Like they didn't add in ideas. I don't. I mean, not to the extent of like when Shin Chan they like changed characters and relationships at a point. Like they just almost they really did create a different show with Funimation it's like they just sprinkled in some embellishments here and there like I think the narrator had more personality they made him more like the Bobo-esque narrator where he like comments on the show and has his own quips and stuff uh they probably had their own in jokes that I can't remember but I don't think they changed characters as radically as Shin-chan did like there was no subplot about Penny coming from an abusive home like in, in Shin-chan you know yeah, yeah. Um, small tangent, but like I remember watching the dub, and like you know, when I was younger, I was like, "Oh, this is like I remember being upset that like it wasn't like faithful or accurate or whatever." Which you know, the, for for some people, I I would say that's like that that's not like you know an invalid complaint. But I think I I think if I went back to the dub now, I would be like more open to it, and I would probably like enjoy it a lot more. Yeah, I think it's mostly pretty funny. Like, in general, I like a lot of the some Funimation's looser, like, comedy dub writing. Sometimes they can take it a bit too far. I think the biggest thing with Sergeant Frog was that I think they could have laid off on some of the adult folks in profanity. Because Sergeant Frog's a series that is meant to be enjoyed by families and kids in particular. And that just makes it hard to kind of share it with those people like I was able to share it with you know a lot of like I one time like a, uh, someone was asking me like for an anime to recommend to the kids and I was able to successfully like recommend them this but uh, like at the back of my mind is like well there are times where in the dub Caro is swears or they make inappropriate jokes that weren't even the original even though the original has its own dirty jokes but it's, it's still toned down no yeah I, I, I totally agree um, but no, yeah, this is, this was the license that, like, I was not expecting from them. Like, this was, yeah. for me, this was a big surprise, and I'm definitely gonna be picking this up. I mean, especially because of its length, because I would never have thought Discotech would jump, especially because it's not necessarily in their wheelhouse of, like, classics. I mean, because it's a post-2000s kind of series, but yeah, I mean, I'm happy they uh, picked it up, and I'm happy they're gonna do it all. I mean, I, I think soon the series will be 20 years old, if it's not already. That's true, but Discotech, I mean, Discotech is a boutique publisher. Like, they do specialize in the more niche and the older kind of things. So, but this, yes, it's true. This is almost, in a couple of years, you can't say it'll be almost two decades old. The manga is it's certainly, like, over two decades old. Oh, the yeah. The manga is the one which I would love to see, like, actually get relicensed and retranslated because this just has the Tokyo Pop version, which is rough and yeah, uh, it could sure be is. redone for sure. I would love to see that, yeah. But yeah, here, so I know you had some other titles on here that I know you wanted to mention. Yeah, I mean, there are, were a couple of really big announcements or revelations here. Like, to, before we can get through, like, kind of the new stuff, like, Discotech found the masters of Project Aiko, like the original like uh masters. So originally they were doing this process where they wanted to like do this restored upscale because they couldn't find the original film. But then, you know, thanks to help from Robert Wardhead from Animago, uh they were able to figure out that like the masters were still available. They were just misfiled. Like and so it was not where 
they thought they were, but it was somewhere else. So they were able to get them. And so now they're using the film for a new transfer and that they showed a clip and it just looks super beautiful. So that's incredibly oh, yeah. exciting. Like they can do a high quality release of Project 8 Co. based on the original film masters. And the update on the Grimm's Fairy Tale Classics release was also great, like, because, like, they really have gotten the best quality of all the dubs and all the episodes. There are going to be alternate versions of episodes based on, like, how the dub episodes were cut or Japanese episodes were cut. So that's really exciting. So those are really cool updates and new releases. But yeah, as for other things, like the big one, as we mentioned, was Dear Brother. That's the one I think that, that they led with in their stream. And that's the one that, you know, the their audience and them themselves, I think, were most excited for. It's interesting that the license for Dear Brother is very short, unusually short, as they call it. Like, it's only for a year. And they don't know if they'll be able to relicense it after that. But yeah, like, that's going to come out this summer. And of course, it's a classic Ikeda series. It's been available before, but out of print it's currently streaming on retro crush though so you can watch it there but yeah you know it's classic and from akeda so yeah i'm excited that they'll be home home video again and definitely will pick it up especially because of the time mode it is going to be you know kind of uh short on it and he also uh relicensed uh kashimashi which is like a classic kind of uh gender exploration yuri title so that is great not only that they've relicensed it but also that they are going to have a revised translation subtitle track to you know be more uh, sensitive and careful to how gender is discussed and identified in the series so i'm appreciating that and they got the nyanbo spinoff of yotsuba that anime like they're gonna release that so i'm glad they're picking up like kind of these like cuter little shows like that like this and banana you know uh, and then the other big thing that I'd want to mention is that they are, they have licensed Kakaishi for streaming rights, and that's going to be available on Crunchyroll, both the dub and the sub, and so it's great to have Kakaishi available on streaming again. And no word on whether it'll be available on home video, they they didn't say for sure if they can do that yet, but it will be streaming again. I'm looking forward to that and potentially rewatching, revisiting it, because it's been quite a long time. But yeah, like a lot of great announcements from Discotech that continue to really put out some great stuff and license some great stuff. And I'm excited that they continue to make a lot of great classic series available and really great quality on really great releases. But now moving on from these kind of uh, Discotech licenses, let's talk about some movie news. Like we, we mentioned a lot before, we had a few movie news. And first, we have an update on the Demon Slayer film. Finally, we have a release date for the film in North American theaters, April 23rd. Dub and sub, it's going to be put out. And the interesting about it is that it's going to be released on a Friday. This is like a big statement in my mind because normally no anime films are released on Fridays in the U.S. because that would interfere with competition from mainstream blockbuster releases, like main studio releases and anime films have more of a niche audience so the anime distributors they try to just promote anime films and theaters as event films on days where there would be less traffic to those films or like the weekends are like when the big tentpole films would get the most traffic so they try to avoid those but the fact that they're opening this on a Friday does show the confidence they have in the film that it couldn't be competitive on that level so that is intriguing to me but yeah like they are definitely putting this film out soon I'm 
you know, I'm looking forward to it finally being available. And for those of us who are kind of reluctant to go back into theaters, I mean, vaccinations are becoming more available, but obviously we're still not out of the woods yet. Luckily, the film will be available on digital starting on June 22nd. Basically, all the digital platforms you can think of. And you can pre-order it starting it on April 26th. So finally, it's been a long road, but after six months, we are finally getting uh, Demon Slayer, the movie. Oh, yeah. I'm probably going to opt for the digital myself. Uh, I can't wait to uh, can't wait to watch it. I'll, I'll probably make a make a thing out of it. Maybe watch it on my birthday or something. Because my birthday is pretty nice. soon right after that. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, I'm really looking forward to finally watching this. Yeah, yeah. Finally, we get to see like what all the hype's about. What made this like the highest grossing anime film of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, I won't give anything away. Um, I we are preparing for a Demon Slayer podcast soon. And so that means uh, I've already read the Mugen Train arc, so I, I know like I, I know what happens going in. And boy, you know, all I'll say is like the end of that arc made me tear up. So if the manga made me tear up, I'm kind of afraid of what this film is going to do to me. Yeah, with the voice acting, with the music, like I can just imagine, like it is going to be very impactful. Oh yeah. Now we got some other jump franchise films to look forward to. Like Jujutsu Kaisen just ended its anime, but we've got a film coming this winter, and it's not gonna adapt just anything. It's adapting Volume Zero, which is not a prequel. It is the predecessor to Jujutsu Kaisen. It came out first before Jujutsu Kaisen. Jujutsu Kaisen sequel to what Volume Zero was, which was Tokyo Metropolitan Jujutsu High or whatever it was called. But yeah. That's getting adapted. Finally, will people who have been wondering, hey, who is Yota Kutsu? Like, he mentioned this guy. What is his deal? What's his story? Well, now you're going to get the story of Yota Kutsu and a bunch of background on things that are going to be very relevant when Yuta uh, Kutsu returns for the second season and adapts the Shibuya incident. So you definitely got to watch it. And I'm definitely excited to see it animated. Ooh, yeah, this could be good. Mm-hmm. And speaking of just some other updates on Jujutsu Kaisen, though, like we did get some rumblings from Akutami themselves that Jujutsu Kaisen may probably end within two years. Like they announced this during an interview on the Mangado Kobayashi Mangataisho 22 Grand Prix Akutami Geiji television program. So yeah, like they don't have confidence in saying they don't know for sure, but you know, they compared, like, the major checkpoints of where they want to reach in the manga to the checkpoints from Fuji. They say they were on the 6th or 7th station, and this reflects the different number of stations that are on the major checkpoints on the trails that lead up to Mount Fuji Summit. And the different trails have a starting point of the 5th station, and the ninth station is the last checkpoint before the summit. So, kind of gives a gauge that maybe we're, like, 60-70% done the story. Like, it, it's interesting how much we might potentially have left, but I could totally see it. I feel like we are differently in a in a part two of Jujutsu Kaisen right now. Like, the second half of it. Or the second phase of it. So I'm definitely curious to see how things are playing going to play out in the next couple of years. I only just started the anime recently. Um, but I, I, I know that some really, really, really huge shit goes down eventually after the Shibuya incident. I mean, the Shibuya incident is where shit goes down. Ah, okay. But, I mean, the next start has only just started, really. But, yeah, we are still kind of learning, like, the aftermath of that, really, like, and what's going to happen going forward. But uh, I'm curious. This, I'm, I'm definitely excited to see where what's happened in the series, where it's going. 
And it's interesting that Tommy hasn't completely figured out how the story's going to end. They know how Fushiguro's story is going to end, but not quite for Sukuna. And I'm sure there's probably other characters. Like, there was a lot of info that came out of that interview that hinted at the fate of certain characters. Like, it seems that there's going to be some more stuff for Maki in the future. They're playing coy about what's going to happen with Nobara. Like, there's uh, there's some stuff to look forward to, for sure. Hmm. I'm looking forward to it. And uh, the last piece of film news to talk about, though, is that Black Clover, the anime, recently ended, but it is going to be getting a film. We don't have too many details about, like, what the film is going to be, just that it is getting a film. And it's been long overdue. The Black Clover anime has been running for, like, four years, and the manga itself has been running for, like, six years. So it's been long overdue for a film, and I'm definitely looking forward to seeing it and whatever it's about. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for, for all the flack that like Black Clover got at the beginning and still unfortunately gets, um, you know, I, I do from, from, from the little I've seen of the anime, it, it looks like the anime has like gotten way better from when it first started. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing like what they could do with Black Clover in like, uh, with, with like a film uh, budget or style production. Yeah. I should say. If they get their like best talent on it. And we know that the... Even if it's original story, we know that they can write compelling original stories because, like, there are a lot of, like, anime original Black Clover episodes I really liked. And not only that, like, the anime original art they did, The Devil Banishers, is, re- is really, really good. Like, a Ooh. lot of people even think it's it's comparable to the best or even better than some of the manga's best storylines. So, like, oh, wow. you know, they can write some good stuff. Like, I'm, so I'm interested in seeing what the film will be about. Whoa, whoa, whoa. A long-running anime with good filler? This I have to see. <laughs> But yeah, in addition to the film news, it was also announced that the Black Clover character popularity poll, the fifth one, is also up and running. So you can go and vote in that. And in addition to that, there's also the new Dr. Stone character popularity poll that's still up and running. It's been running since the 15th and it'll continue to run through April 15th. So you got some time to run to vote in that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and we'll we'll definitely leave links to both these polls in the show notes for anybody who wants to participate. I will say for the Black Clover poll in particular, uh, I know he doesn't need my help because he'll probably be like the second most popular character again. But I voted for Yami. I can't help it. He's my guy. I love him. Uh, he, he needs us now more than ever. Um, <laughs> if, if you're reading Black Clover right now. Um, I don't know. Uh, Lum, who, who, who are you voting for? Noel. Noel is, I think, consistently my favorite character. Noelle's a good choice. She probably would have been like my second or third choice, honestly. And then I guess as far as Dr. Stone goes, um, I voted for Taiju just because, you know, the, I, I love my big, dumb, strong boy. Dr. Stone was a little harder, but I think just based on recent story developments, I went with Sakasa. Not just, you know, kind of the combination of both the second season of anime and also recent story events. Just maybe really appreciate Sakasa's character a lot right now. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say any specifics, but wow, Dr. Stone has been really wild lately. Yeah, it's been pretty intense, and I'm glad to see it. I think Dr. Stone's at its strongest when it, they have like a strong opposition force to work against. And definitely the stakes are at the highest they've been like in a long time right now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But anyway, enough about that. Um, so definitely go vote in these polls and... Uh, I'm I'm sure we'll come back to you guys with the results of both these polls when they're out. Mm-hmm. I look forward to them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but for now, I think we have one more piece of news we need to cover before we end the show. 
Yeah, just to wrap up, we did get an announcement of this year's free comic book day 2021 manga offerings from a few publishers. We've got something for Kadansha. They're going to do one for renting a really shy girlfriend. That'll be available as a free comic book day title. And the Space Pirate Captain Harlock comic from Jerome Owl Key is going to be available as a free comic book day series from Ablaze. And IDW is going to do a Sonic the Hedgehog 30 anniversary comic. And so leveling will be the free comic book day choice from Yen. I don't think we know what Viz's titles this year will be, but yeah. So those are kind of the stuff you can look forward to picking up during this year's comic book day. Yeah, not some bad choices. Hey, everybody. So uh, we are cutting in here. Uh, we're, we're recording this portion of the show a little later after we originally recorded the episode. Uh, because when we first recorded the episode, we didn't really have as much news on some of the series we're going to be talking about here in a little bit, especially with uh, Phantom Seer, because uh, at the time we had originally recorded this episode, uh, it was kind of up in the air what exactly was going to happen to Phantom Seer because of the, quite frankly, very vague uh, wording of, uh, of its ending announcement, that it was going to be in its final phase in particular, and we... Basically weren't sure if that meant, oh, is it just going to end or maybe it's going to end and jump and maybe it'll get like a continuation or like a few epilogue chapters. But uh, that doesn't really seem to be the case as uh, at the time we're recording this portion of the episode, uh, Phantom Seer has basically ended with chapter 30 and uh, it'll be four volumes altogether uh, with the fourth volume basically including uh, some extra content as well as uh, an extra manga chapter focusing on the character of Yayoi Katanagi in particular, that being uh, Iori's older sister. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a shame that Phantom Seer ended. You know, if you've been listening to the show at all, I we really enjoyed the series, and we thought it was, uh, it was a very fun series, and we really enjoyed it, and uh, it's, it's a shame to see it go. Yeah, it had the best ending it possibly have, at the point it was in terms of it just cleanly ended the arc and had a Avengers continue on for here message essentially at the end. So, you know, they couldn't wrap everything up, but I'm glad they didn't try to. They just told a really good arc to go off on. And I think it will be remembered fondly for that instead of trying to rush things. It is such a shame because that arc was really setting in stone, like some really cool things for the series in terms of, you know, I was excited to see them go up against this villain group one by one. And I thought that the Doll Master was a good antagonist and the teams of the arc were really good in terms of the connection between the exorcist and the spirits and like trying to come to an understanding and, you know, seeing the humanity and in the middle of that, you know, there's good messages and themes and character moments and all that. But yeah, I mean, as soon as they kind of shoehorned and sped through Yori's backstory in one chapter, like that's kind of the point where I knew that the series was going to come probably to an abrupt end. And indeed it did. But they certainly don't begrudge the time I have for fans here. It was pretty solid. I'm just sad that it did not get to continue on for longer. But I hope that the authors' this next series, Matsuri Kento, Togoto, I hope you know, their next series will be a little more successful and they'll be able to tell the complete story they want to tell with their next work. 
yeah, um, I have to say in particular, um, I'm really rooting for uh, Kento Matsuda in particular because, um, I mean, like I've mentioned before, I, I wasn't really a huge fan of Tokyo Shinobi Squad. Um, I know you really weren't either. Um, I should say the both of us weren't, but uh, I, I will say looking back on it, the art was probably the best part of that series. Mm. Um, and and obviously we both really like Phantom Seer, so I'm I'm really hoping that Matsuda in particular will you know get a third chance at a hopefully successful series. Maybe he'll maybe he'll have the same success story as uh, Kohei Horikoshi, possibly. You know, maybe maybe it'll take his third series to finally like you know generate a real hit. Maybe. Um, because I, like, you know, I, Phantom Seer's art, um, you know, I would still say is, like, the best part of the series. Like, I just, I loved it so much, and I really, I really want to see, like, what else Matsuda can do. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, this next series we're going to talk about, we'll try not to dwell on it too much, but, because obviously neither of us have read it for, you know, obvious reasons, um, but Bill King is basically going to be ending. It has ended by the time you listen to this. It just ended with chapter 20 on Sunday the 11th. And yeah, Bill King, you know, we didn't read it. From what I've heard from people who have read it, though, it just never was able to make the concept of, like, fighting by building houses work. It just didn't work as a battle in the same way, you know, the food team did in Toriko. Like... You know, they fought by building houses, fought against houses. It just seemed like it was kind of like a confusing battle concept. That It seemed like there was potential from what I've heard, but like it just never found it. And also, it was just written a little bit too of an old school style, I think, to catch people's attention from what I heard. Like same kind of traditional shonen formula and characterizations, and it just didn't catch on. And then also, I don't think that his character designs in the series were nearly as appealing as those in Toriko, from what I've seen. Yeah, no, but uh, Bill King has ended, and, uh, you know, I can't say I'm really that sad about it, because, again, I, I didn't read it. Um, but I, I will say the one thing I am kind of surprised about, because I, you know, despite how we feel about Shimabukuro in particular, um, I am kind of surprised that because he is... I guess at this point you could consider him like a veteran author. You know, he has two hits under his belt. Um, I am kind of surprised that uh, even if the series wasn't doing well, I am kind of surprised that, uh, you know, Jump didn't necessarily give him the same treatment as, say, like uh, Kishimoto and kind of maybe gave him more time to maybe build up a story or whatever. It's it's just kind of interesting to me. Yeah, I guess they just did not see the potential for long-term success in the same way. It is interesting that they ended Bill King before Hardball, Cop, and Dolphin, because Bill King's so far has actually sold more. uh, It's volume sell more than Hardball, Cop, and Dolphin's. But Hardball, Cop, and Dolphin is probably going to be the next on Chopping Block, honestly, anyway. So, yeah, I mean, they just decided, well... You know, why don't we just end it here? I don't think it's probably going to grow any more than this. And it doesn't seem reception has been that super enthusiastic on it. But yeah, there's going to be an epilogue apparently with the final volume in September. So we'll see if Wiz does anything with that. We'll see if they do anything with digital volumes. Who knows? But uh, personally, I am pretty okay with it ending and not running anymore and not being kind of this, you know, black shadow over 
the reading weekly jump experience. And now I can say that I am reading every series in Weekly Shonen Jump again. So that is also a nice thing. Yeah, yeah. And um, again, I think we've given Bill King enough time. And so I just want to move on to uh, just a small update on something that already has ended. But uh, uh, so we previously mentioned that A Gravity Boys was going to get an epilogue in Jump Giga. uh, But now we know for sure that uh, that epilogue is going to be published in Jump Giga on April 30th with the uh, spring 2021 edition. And so, yep, that's basically when it'll be coming. And, you know, like we said, I I imagine that Viz will probably translate it, especially since, you know, we know that they're doing digital volumes for a Gravity Boy, so that would just make sense. Yeah, and they did that Matama bonus chapter that was published on Jump Plus or whatever, too. So, you know, they pick up some of these extra chapters now and again. So we'll see if they simul the epilogue or if, again, yeah, they just include it with the volumes. But yeah, I will be curious to see if it's an actual ending to the series and they find their way home and save humanity or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Instead of, or maybe they'll just focus more on uh, developing their penis powers <laughs> and fighting with them with their penis attributes. I'd be fine with that, actually. But yeah, that's really about it for all the series and Jump that have ended. But we're actually getting two new series, Lum, if you want to talk about those real quick. Yeah, it's pretty exciting, obviously. Wit. Two series leaving, we're getting two series coming. Now, this one has already started by the time you're listening to this, and we'll probably cover it in our next news catch-up episode, most likely. And that is Blue Box by Miura Koji. This is a sports romance manga. Basically, the premise of this is that... The reason it's called Blue Blocks is that it takes place in this gymnasium that has blue walls. And it stars a romance between a girl who is a member of the basketball team and a boy who is a member of the badminton club. In the original one-shot, he was actually a volleyball player. But I guess they changed that to badminton, which I'm curious to see how that will change the dynamic of things. But basically, the concept of the series is that, you know, these two people, like, they're both on, you know, sports teams. They see each other in the gym, and they start to form, like, a romance, and they support each other in each other's, you know, sports successes. So I think that's a really cool concept for a sports romance series. I'm hoping that it does focus a lot on the sports aspect of it, as well as the romance, but... Either way, I think character designs of the leads look really great. And yeah, I am definitely interested in seeing the story of, as the official Shonen Jump tweet says, these sports crossed lovers. Yeah, no, um, I'm very interested in how this will turn out. Um, I think, um, you know, just w- w- without like, you know, having read the first chapter at the time of this recording, I, I don't know. I don't know about you, but I'm I'm getting like major cross-manage vibes from this. Like, I feel like this could be, like, a successor to that. I think it could feel in the same way, though not exactly the same premise. But yes, it's like sports romance, you know, cross-manage had those vibes too. So, yeah, that's an apt comparison. Yeah, it could fill that same niche. I definitely would recommend for people... I mean, by the time you're listening to this, you can just read the chapter, but... You know, if you want to learn a little bit about the one-shot, Taser Lad did a great video on it last year covering it and, you know, the potential that he saw in it for serialization. And now it is indeed being serialized. So I'm definitely very excited to read the series. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm definitely really looking forward to this, uh, as well as the next thing that they're going to be uh, publishing the week after. Yeah, we've been getting scattershot information about this next series, and I don't think anyone is super sure like what to call it, because some people are saying it's a romance, some saying it's an action battle comedy. But this series is Ame no Furo by Mitarashi Santa and Takegushi Ippon, and it is about a girl in a Tokyo that has been destroyed by candy, and according to the teaser visual, it looks like she fights by swinging a giant lollipop. So this looks like a fun action battle comedy with a fun little premise and gimmick to it. So I'm curious to see it. I think it could be quite fun. Yeah, this this already looks like fun. I'm very interested in uh, how this will turn out. Not much else to say there. I mean, in general, this is a... I think this will be an interesting round because I, I feel like compared to most like serialization rounds we've seen with Jump, this is this is probably like the most, I don't know what the word you call it, is atypical. It's 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 the most like interesting and varied I think so far. I mean, there's only two new series here in this round, but yeah, I mean they're both interesting. I think that's a trend that I've been enjoying with these recent rounds is that they have been trying some cool new stuff uh, and stuff that's not just you know more supernatural exorcism fighting <laughs> manga or just wacky comedy it's like a comedy with a unique spin to it so i appreciate that and yeah i'm glad that they're publishing more eclectic premises and i'm curious to see whether these two new series will take off i know blue box has a lot of buzz going into it a lot of people are excited for serialization so i think that's the one to look out for but i wonder if aminofuro is going to surprise like i'm genuinely curious like it jumps in a f- interesting place there's a lot of diversity coming in now mm-hmm. and like we mentioned we'll we'll definitely uh check these out and talk about them more after we actually you know get a chance to read them and uh you know, talk about them on our next news catch-up episode, so uh, look forward to that. But yeah, we uh, we actually have another series uh, resuming from its hiatus, if you want to mention that real quick. Yeah, Solo Stinch uh, Cage, after basically a two-year hiatus, is finally returning to being published on Shonen Jump Plus and by extension Manga Plus, started on April 12th. So this series has been on hiatus for a long time, and... You know, it left on a place that made you want to read more, and it's been kind of frustrating. But yeah, I'm glad to see it return, and yeah, just keep going. Like, it's been a while, but I'm glad it has finally continued, rather than, you know, being an indefinite hiatus, like so many series can fall to the trap of. I remember this series being one of the early Manga Plus ones that, like, I think I was interested in the most. Yeah, it had a very compelling premise and really fantastic art. Uh, but I guess uh, speaking of other things that have ended, we should talk about the big one. Yeah, so at long last, The Titan has ended. Attack on Titan ended with Chapter 139 on Thursday the 8th. I mean, everyone has been in conversation about the ending. It was a controversial ending. I certainly am not a fan of it. And how it tries to reframe Aaron's actions in the story as one of a martyr, which kind of ruins for me a lot of what the series had been going for up until that point. And I wish Uziyama had just stuck with the characterization of him just being a villain protagonist whose undoing was their own blind ambition and arrogance. But 
Yeah, for better or worse, it has ended. I am curious to, you know, properly read-strew the entirety of the final arc, and I am still excited to see the remainder of the story animated, and I do think that eventually, when it comes to the point we recover on the show, I think it's going to make for an interesting conversation, at the very least. I think there is a lot to say about strengths and weaknesses Attack and Titan had. I wouldn't say that... I agree with the people who think it's the worst thing ever or the best thing ever. There's some good ideas or some bad ideas. I think that it's going to be an interesting series to reflect upon, especially considering kind of the impact it's had on the popular culture and the conversation of very popular anime manga series. And yeah, I'm just curious to see the legacy Attack on Titan is going to leave behind from this point on. Obviously, as a franchise, probably going to ha- keep having spin-offs, installments, and whatnot. But, like, the original work, I'm interested in seeing how people are going to reflect on it and think about it in another couple of years' time. Or, you know, just going on into the future. Mm-hmm, for sure. No, I'm, uh... As someone who wasn't really, like, keeping up with Attack on Titan much, it was definitely really interesting to kind of, like... Uh, witness a lot of the conversation or discourse or whatever you want to call it about the series for uh, for, for, for a few years now. Um, it's definitely always made me interested in, like, picking it back up. And um, I've mentioned it before, but uh, this is easily a stay tuned as far as, like, uh, something we're going to be covering on the show at some point. Um, I'm definitely interested in, like, reading the entirety of the series now that it's done. And I'm, I'm very interested in the conversation that we'll have about it in the future. Mm-hmm. Speaking of series that I'm interested in reading the entirety of and possibly doing another conversation on sometime down the line, and speaking of series that were being simul-published on Crunchyroll Manga, Two-Year Eternity's full catalog is now available on Crunchyroll Manga for subscribers to read. Previously, there was like a large gap in which their chapters that were being put out in collected volumes were not available to read on Crunchyroll manga. And so there was like half the series unavailable to read for the longest time. But now finally you can read the entire thing, start to finish, and keep up with the current Simulpub. So that's great. And that's a great opportunity to catch up on it if you are curious to read through the manga before the anime comes out, or as a companion to the anime, which has also just started by the time you're listening to this. So that's an exciting thing. I definitely want to catch up on Tuning Attorney ASAP. I've been meaning to do it for a long time. And now that it's finally all readily accessible at Virtual Manga, that's a great opportunity. Though I believe I also probably have access to Humble Bundle volumes that I just forget to read. Or also it's on Comixology Unlimited, at least a lot of it. So, but still, it's great that if you have a country roll manga subscription you can just read the entire thing start to finish but if you also want to get digital collected volumes for the series well here's some good news because kanancha is doing another spring humble bundle in which you can basically get the first 10 volumes of your eternity for about 25 dollars alongside a ton of volumes of a ton of other manga like you can Basically, catch up on Eden Zero with the first 10 volumes of that. You can get all of Farewell, My Dear Kramer, all 13 volumes of that. And then you get, like, a Seven Daily Sins spinoff, Seven Days. You get, like, five volumes of Nagatoro, three volumes of Tokyo Revengers, two volumes of Shaman King Zero. There, there's a lot of stuff. 
that you can get through this humble bundle. Like if you do with the highest tier, you also get like the first twenty four volumes of Seven Lindy Sins, which is like a little more than half the series. So yeah, uh, pretty healthy Kadansha humble bundle here. You're gonna get a lot of bang for your buck, and you're gonna go to a great cause because the proceeds of the humble bundle will be going to stop Asian American hate. So yeah, that's a really important great cause. So you are going to. Again, as always with these humble bundles, you'll be able to support some really great charities along with getting a lot of really good manga. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I'm really glad that we finally have the chance to, like, promote a humble bundle because it it feels like every time one comes up, like, like the timing between, like, you know, when we record and, like, how long these humble bundles last doesn't usually line up, unfortunately, but... Um, I mean, by the time you're listening to this, you'll you'll have like probably a little over 15 days. Yeah, the humble bundle expires on the 29th, so you have a few, quite a bit of time, at least two weeks by the time you're listening to this. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I'd say this one's pretty good too. Um, I don't think I'm gonna get it personally, just because like a lot of these I kind of already have. I really wish we could have gotten more volumes of Tokyo Revengers in particular. That would have been nice, but mm-hmm. but it, I, I you know for for everyone else like it, this is still a pretty good collection of stuff. And if you if you don't have these already, like I would say that um, I would say thirty dollars for all of this stuff. Like I I'm trying to think because uh, I know I got an email about this or something, and uh, they they mentioned like how much. As far as like retail price, like how much all these were worth, and I think it's like over nine hundred dollars worth of stuff or something, some some really huge number like that. Um, but yeah, it's like okay, yeah, it says right here on the humble bundle, uh, nine hundred and thirty nine dollars worth of awesome stuff. Um, yeah, like th- this is this is really like a steal. Like li- literally every time that I invest in a humble bundle, I feel like I'm stealing my manga, even though I'm paying for it. Like it's like I I actually feel kind of bad paying only this much for all this stuff and we've we, we've also like accumulated a ton of manga that we're probably going to cover on the show at some point thanks to humble bundle mm-hmm. which is really great so yeah obviously we'll we'll leave a link to that in the show notes for people who are interested in that again if you don't already have uh some of this manga you should go buy it all right but as for our f- actual final piece of news uh we do actually have some popularity poll results to talk about with the English Black Clover popularity poll, and we already have the results for this poll. It only uh, it only lasted for about a week. Yeah, they do it for a week and then they immediately post the results. It's not as long a voting period or a turnaround time as the Japanese poll. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so we're going to go over the results of those. Uh, Lum, if you want to go ahead and uh, talk about the top 10. Sure thing. Well, starting from the bottom, we've got Nero's Last Sakura at number 10. And Charming comes in at number 9, Merleona at number 8. Yuno at number 7. And then we got, like, one of our first new characters in these popularity polls. Lee ranked at number 6, a very good showing for him. Luck is in at number 5. Not is in at number 4. Speaking of very popular new characters, Not has barely been in the story for a year. The same is true for Lee, but yeah, very popular. And then our top three are, as usual for these English polls, Noelle at number 3, Yami at number 2, and 1 is Asta. Same top three as the last year's, basically. Like, exact same top three. And then other characters that are also in this, I mean, Yuno also ranks at the same place, number 7. 
Other characters that are were in last year's top 10 include Mario, Leona, Luck, and Charmy. So they're still there. Characters that have dropped out are Zoro and Julius. Which, yeah, I mean, Zoro isn't in this top 25 at all. But I don't think it's because he's an unpopular character. But because Viz forgot to include him as an option to vote for in the poll. Oh, damn. So, yeah, it's... Very frustrating. Like, I don't really like these pop-up polls style that Viz does that are just, like, on the, the page because, I don't know, I guess they give you limited options because they didn't have nearly every character in the series that you could vote for. And, yeah, they missed, like, important ones like Zora. And I'm like, you don't even give an option to what a write-in? Like, what what's happening here? So I miss the old style of where it was just, like, you know, just a Google, a doc or something like a survey doc. And, you know, it was more comprehensive. I I don't think this pop-up thing works if you're going to like forget options and you can't have a write-in option. But yeah, that's a complaint I have. But regardless, it is interesting to see who else came in this top 25. Like Julius missed the top 10 this time, but he is at number 11. And yeah, just some other popular choices also in the the remainder of this bottom 25. Um, so I know I said in the episode just a little bit ago that I, I voted for Yami in the uh, Japanese poll, and I, I voted for him in this poll too, but uh, mm-hmm. I I cannot believe I forgot that, like, you know, I forgot about Mario Leona. That's, like, I feel bad that I didn't vote for her, because, <laughs> I mean, she's, I guess she's also, like, a pretty popular character, but... Like, I guess, you know, according to the results, a little less popular than Yami. So I I feel like I should have voted for her, actually, especially since I I, I think um, Mario Leona, she, uh, you know. I, I, I mean, she was out of the story for a little bit there, but then she, recently she had some cool moments in some chapters. So that was pretty cool to finally see her back again. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I really should have voted for her in retrospect. I'll, I'll vote for her next time. Um, this reminder for future Colton. Um, it's definitely interesting to see Noct and Lieb are definitely characters that caught a lot of people's like interests and are quickly become fan favorites. So I also like them. So it's cool to see them rank so highly. Uh, but I am surprised that Asta's mom also didn't rank somewhere because she was pretty likable, even though she was only in one chapter. But I don't even remember if they included her as an option. So. We'll never know if what where she would have ranked if she was included. <laughs> um, I guess was there anything else we wanted to say about the results or Yeah, I mean it's gonna be interesting to compare of with the Japanese results and you know, compare favorites like what the Japanese fan really like and what the US fans or English reading Black Clover fans really like. I, I still find it a little strange luck is so popular because I don't think Luck has done anything that recently. Like, his fight that he had in the Space Kingdom, or Heart Kingdom, rather, was, like, last year. And that was feels like a long time ago. So I don't know what he's done recently, necessarily. But, you know, I guess people just like the Fighting Fiend and his personality and whatnot. <laughs> I mean, I, I could see people getting behind that character archetype, honestly. Yeah. I mean, I guess the same is also true for Charmy. It's been as long as she's done anything. But I guess Charmy for me just sticks out as like a more memorable, fun character. And I'm like, oh, yeah, Charmy is like always on a minus when I think of like memorable Black Clover characters. But mm-hmm. yeah. 
And yeah, I mean, the rest of the top 25 makes sense. And especially considering like the options, like I don't know if anyone was left out of this because I don't remember how many options there were at all. I just know that there were missing characters like Zora. So Mm -hmm. Um, I guess last thing I'll point out is uh, and. I don't know. I I feel like Yuno should be a little higher. I feel like he I feel like he's a character that's like should be more popular. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, you know, in the current arc especially like Yuno has had a great showing and great character development and moments and yeah, I think he's been pretty cool this arc. So I would definitely think that he probably could deserve to be a little higher at least you know higher than luck who hasn't nearly had as much to do by comparison but you know you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> i see what you did there um all right but uh yeah the, the i the results i'd say aren't like uh, n- nothing too earth shattering here but you know it's still still interesting to kind of take a look at again i um, yeah. L- last thing I will say is I do totally agree with you on the way Viz has been handling like their polls lately. I'm I'm not a fan of like the pop up style either. So yeah, I I I do kind of I do kind of miss the old way they used to like format their polls and stuff. I I kind of hope they go back to those. I don't know if they will. And I'd like to see numbers. Like I know that Viz in the past didn't really put in like the numbers of how many votes characters got, but that's one thing I like seeing in the Japanese polls too. Is like the gauge of like the exact amount of people who voted for what characters. So. I would like to see the votes counted to Wendy's besides just the ranks, because I want to know, like, by how close, like, certain characters rank compared to each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to see that, too. Um, but yeah, that's about it for uh, the results of this poll. Uh, if we haven't said it already, obviously, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll talk about the results of the Japanese poll uh, when those eventually come out. Uh, and now back to the rest of the show. But yeah, I guess uh, I guess that's about it for news, huh? Yeah, and it was a pretty healthy chunk of news, and thankfully not such a heavy chunk that we spent an even another hour on top of it, <laughs> as can happen in a big news month. But, you know, still a lot to talk about, a lot of cool things in the works and to look forward to, and yeah, pretty solid month of news. Yeah, but I guess it's time for community shoutouts? Indeed, I do have a few community shoutouts related to things we talk about in this episode. Mainly Jujutsu Kaisen, like an Attack on Titan. Like I've really been enjoying the ANN After Show, which is ANN's new podcast hosted by Lindsay Loveless, Jackie Ying, and James Beckett, and they've been going through. Like the plan is to cover a seasonal anime every season, and starting off with the winter season, they were doing Attack on Titan season four so like i've been enjoying their thoughts on attack on titan and their discussions of the series and the plot developments and they also did kind of like a when attack on titan had a break recently they also did an episode on jujutsu kaisen and what they've been really loving about the show and who the hottest characters are <laughs> and all that so i've been really enjoying the podcast and the discussions that they've been having on the show so definitely check out the in and after show and speaking of uh james beckett honestly james has is really my 
favorite review on Anon, I think, because I've really been enjoying all his reviews, especially for all the seasonal titles. I mean, it helps that he covers a lot of series that I'm interested in, and he's been hearing about how people's thoughts on the anime are. So, you know, I just wanted to shout out James and his reviews uh, in the last season, too, of, for Yashihime, Promise Neverland, Jujutsu Kaisen Takatai. Like, especially, like, all those... For, so, for Yashihime and Promise Neverland, I like how he picked apart, like, the problems with those shows as they were progressing and his frustrations with how the stories were developing. But in Jujutsu Kaisen Takatai, I appreciate his analysis of, like, the story developments. Or in Jujutsu Kaisen's case, just, like, how, like cool the animation is and how that gets to me excited for watching the show so yeah i like james's reviews a lot he's a great writer and yeah just uh, check out his work and speaking of more attack and titan a thought i like definitely check out the Tommy faithful podcast review on attack and titan season four like you know as I said, I've been really enjoying it and I'm super on board with the series now. But, you know, there are still some caveats to it. There are still some mixed messages that can, you know, make people uncomfortable. And I think those are pretty valid. I think the discussion of the series on the Faithful Podcast was pretty nuanced and, like, it covered a lot of different bases about things that the show is doing really well, things to show that is doing maybe not so well, that is kind of, like, leading some mixed messages. But I think it's really great uh, discussion. And beyond that, uh, just to take a break from strictly animated stuff, I really do want to shout out the Toonrific Tariq's Peanuts retrospectives because they've not been, I feel like they've, they need to be getting more attention because like Toonrific Tariq, you know, he's one of my favorite animation analysis uh, YouTubers. Like I always love his thoughts on series and his video essays and his Peanuts retrospectives have been really great. He's been going, he's Going through every special chronological order, breaking down what makes it special, like even with how rough a lot of the early ones, like the charm of it, like what it, they represented about the characters, how they portray the characters. He has such a great sense of wit and humor to his writing and his video editing too, and like, yeah, they're just fantastically made videos and a great celebration and exploration of the Peanut special, so <laughs> definitely check those out. Like, they definitely deserve more love and I've loved uh, watching them so far. Oh, no, yeah. Toonrific Tariq, uh, I got to second that motion. I really love his stuff, too. Like, you know, obviously watch his Peanuts stuff, but, like, just watch his videos in general. Like, if you're looking for, like, really good animation YouTubers, like, you want to go check out his stuff. Absolutely. One of my favorites. And on the subject of just animations to check out, like, recently the... An animator, Shirameshi, they did a parody of Jujutsu Kaisen's ED Lost in Paradise with the characters from Maga-chan. Ah. And it was just so great. Like, the quality of the character animation, just the, how they reinterpreted the OP to reflect Maga-chan. Like, it's not just straight, like, the characters doing what was in the Jujutsu Kaisen ED. It's, like, truly, like, kind of taking the idea of the ED and then just adapting it to the characters. Like, there's a great... for So, like, with the, you know, point where Nobra would come in in the original, like, instead, you know, it's Izuma and he's opening the door and Magu is closing the door and he's, like, barging his way in. Like, it's just... I love the character animation details and how it gets across the characters. And, like, you know, the part where Gojo is coming in and he has Magu in his, like, extended form where he's, like, his tentacles are becoming real long. He like tries to portray himself as human height, and he has that. The character animation is just so damn good. Like, definitely check this out if you're a Magu fan or a Jujutsu Kaisen fan. This is a really great work of independent uh, just animation. 
Just such great style. Like this animator, if Malakuchan ever gets a TV anime, they should hire this person <laughs> to be an animator for the show because their character animation skills and the way they draw the characters is so great. Oh yeah, it was super good. Like ever since you linked it, uh, linked it in our personal Discord, like man, I've I, I've watched that multiple times. It's so good. Oh yeah. So, so good. And that's what I'll leave you guys off with community shoutouts this time. Like, a lot of really good stuff to check out. Definitely do this, so. No, yeah, for sure. Um, And yeah, I guess that about ends the show here. Um, You know, but but before we completely wrap up everything, I guess, um, in terms of what you can expect from, you know, uh, from the podcast coming up, um, you know, but by the time you're listening to this, um, I think it's safe to say that uh, on our next episode, it's been a long time coming and it's a little later than normal. And uh, I do apologize for that. Part of that is because it's taken me a bit to edit because it's a very long podcast that I've managed to get down to about three hours and 30 minutes. But uh, yeah, ne- on the next episode of the podcast, you can expect our best of manga 2020 episode to come out. Uh, every year, we basically sit down to talk about our favorite chapters, moments, our favorite whatevers from, you know, the past year in, like, Simon Pub manga in particular. Um, and so, yeah, I think I think we talked about a lot of really great moments from 2020 in particular. Uh, just a lot of great stuff just all around. And, um, you know, I, I really hope you guys will look forward to it. Again, it's a very long podcast, but I think we spent a lot of time going over some really great stuff. Uh, again, it is a little late, but it it should be out uh, the week after this episode, and then uh, the week after that, we're planning on talking about uh, Silver Spoon finally. So uh, that ought to be fun. Mm-hmm. And you can listen to it already if you are a patron. It's been not been available for about a week now, but I'm listening to this. So definitely, if you are curious to see our thoughts on the series and don't want to wait another two weeks, definitely check that out because we had a great discussion with Bugging Kelly on it. It was a really fun retrospective on the series and its themes and messages and characters. And yeah, definitely check it out. Mm-hmm. But uh, we might as well just get to our Patreon stuff and everything else. So Lum, you go ahead and start off. Where can the people find you? You can find me at LumRomayasha on Twitter. You can find me as LumRomayasha right places like Amateur Revelation and Analyst. Wherever there's a LumRomayasha, that's where you can find me. You can also read my reviews on audio.com. i got a lot of books coming in, a lot of reviews going out. So definitely look forward to more of my local reviews on there. And you can also find all that's going to come in pretty much every podcast I've or twice, like Lum Squad, the Yuri Outra focused podcast that I do with my good friend Andrew A.C. Yoshimura, where we go through and discuss the wonderful wacky world of Rumi Hashi's Yuri Outra. And we are currently finishing up, catching up on the manga right now. Like we just recently had a great discussion on Wall You Mate, the introduction of Ryunosuke, which was really fantastic. And I definitely have a lot of feelings, a lot more to see on Ryunosuke that we'll definitely follow up on whenever we get around to character focus episodes. But we also got Volume 9 to cover and 10 to cover soon. Also, we got the movies to cover. So definitely look forward. We got a lot of viewers out there trying to coming your way to look forward to. And if you like the art I do for this show, the thumbnails I draw, and the art I make in general, you can follow me on my Instagram at SetArtWorks. All right. Uh, as for me, I'm Colting. You can find me on Twitter at SniperKing323. I also host and produce a few other podcasts on my end here uh, that you can find links to over at coltoncorner.wordpress.com. It's my personal blog where I have a page dedicated to basically whatever podcast I'm involved in at the moment and even some past podcasts that uh, I don't really do anymore, but I still have links up you know, for people who may be interested in listening. I don't know. Just, just keeping them there. Um, again, culticorner.wordpress.com is where you can find those. 
As for basically the podcast and everything else, you can find every episode of the Manga Mavericks podcast on all-comic.com. That's where you can find every episode first, unless you are a patron of ours at patreon.com slash manga mavericks, where uh, Lum just mentioned uh, at the $2 tier, uh, you will basically have access to early editions of our uh, of our podcast, uh, basically whenever we have them edited and whenever we can put them up before they're meant to go on our main feed. Uh, right now, you can listen to our Silver Spoon discussion early, uh, two weeks before it's supposed to go up on our main feed. Um, and so, yeah, definitely go listen to that. Or if, if you're looking for more like exclusive content, some some new podcasts to listen to, uh, sign up for our five dollar tier because over there. Uh, you'll get access to all of our bonus podcasts with one new bonus podcast being uploaded at the end of every month. Uh, right now, like I mentioned at the top of the show, we are finishing up our uh, Manga Mavericks book club read through of Saint Seiya, the original Saint Seiya manga from Masami Kuramata, uh, where uh, my good friend Doctor and I uh, are going through the series for the very first time. Uh, we only have a few episodes of that left uh, before we inevitably move on to our next kind of mini-series sort of thing, which, again, uh, as I mentioned at the top of the show, we are uh, kind of in the background trying to get ready uh, to hopefully have up by the end of the year or early next year. Um, but we still have a bunch of different bonus podcasts that if you are a patron that, uh, that you know, you could look forward to uh, to us uploading when we do finish the book club. But yeah, if you if you want to listen to all this and more, uh, we have over 20 hours of bonus content for you to listen to again at the $5 tier on our Patreon at patreon.com slash manga mavericks. Um, if you want to support us in any way, that's really the best way to support us. It really helps us kind of keep the lights on and everything. And yeah, uh, and any support you can give us there is very much appreciated. Uh, again, patreon.com slash manga mavericks. Um, but enough about that. You can follow us on facebook.com slash all.comic or on twitter.com slash allcomic underscore. But if you want to follow Manga Mavericks in particular, you want to follow us on Twitter at manga underscore mavericks or on Tumblr at mangamavericks.tumblr.com. Both of those are basically where you can find the latest updates on the podcast. Uh, Subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash manga mavericks, where we upload different excerpts of the podcast and even some exclusive content every once in a while. Again, youtube.com slash manga mavericks. Uh, email us anything at mangamavericks at gmail.com. Uh, do you have any thoughts on any of the news we talked about on this episode? Uh, any thoughts on all the new anime movies coming out, new licenses? Do you have any manga that you're reading right now that you want to tell us about or any manga that you want us to cover on the show? You know, email us about anything involving manga or the podcast or anything else. You know, just send us an email over at mangamavericks at gmail.com and we'll read it on the show. We love getting emails, so be sure to do that if you can. Uh, but the most important thing, guys, is that you subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts or basically wherever you listen to the podcast. Uh, we're available on so many different platforms. It's 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 kind of hard not to find us. Um, but yeah, uh, I mean, especially if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating or a review or both, you know, just, uh, you know, we appreciate any feedback we can get on the show. It, uh, it also really helps the visibility of our show on that platform in particular. And yeah, you know, again, we just, uh, we, we love getting your guys' feedback and comments. It really, uh, it really helps us make the show, you know, the best that it can be. And so, yeah, um, I guess that's really about it for the show. Uh, this has been episode 154 of the Manga Mavericks podcast on allcomic.com. We will see you guys next time for episode 155. Bye, guys. Sayonara. Sayonara.